Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Chewing It. This is Kevin Heffernan on behalf of Steve Lemmy. Thanks for joining us again. Um, man, we got a big wig this week. We got a big wig sitting down with us. Um, Mr. Bill Gerber, who's a former uh, president of Warner Brothers Studio. That's big time. That's a big wig right there. He uh, ran Warner Brothers for a while. He was an executive there for a long time. Uh, he's responsible for uh, a lot of your favorite movies. Um, Unforgiven, L.A. Confidential, Goodfellas, uh, Harry Potter. He had a hand in the making of all those movies. And uh, we were very lucky to get him to sit down with us. He also uh, now is a producer. He produced Gran Torino with uh, Clint Eastwood. Uh, produced a few movies with us, The Boys of Broken Lizard. So uh, um, I think you're going to enjoy those stories. Um, and yeah. It was just exciting. If you if you love the film industry and the making of movies, you're going to love this conversation because he's a guy who's done it all. Um, so enjoy. Uh, before we get going, uh, a couple of plugs. Um, we're going back on the road. Lemmy and I will be back on the road in September. We're going to be in Lexington, Lexington Kentucky. Uh, we'll be there September 19th, 20th, and 21st at Comedy Off-Broadway. That's Lexington, Kentucky. September 19, 2021. Um, we will then be in Nashville, Tennessee at Zanies. We're going to be there October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. And uh, looking at taking an NFL football game that weekend. Got a couple of friends in the Titans. And um, I think we're going to get out and see a game. It's exciting, right? Uh, but come see us. Come down uh, and see the shows. Lexington right now in Tennessee, uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, we'll have a lot more this fall. We're just in the process of booking them up now, figuring out where we're going to go and when we're going to go. So um, check back with our website. You can get the tickets for everything at heffernandlemmy.com. There'll be uh, tickets there, information on new shows, all kinds of business. So. Uh, so check that out or follow us on Twitter. I'm at Heffernan Rules. Steve is at Steve Lemmy. And, um, oh, for those, a lot of people are asking, Fatty and Taddy, uh, our web series is going to be back up in September. So, uh, mark your calendars. Uh, again, we'll put more info on our website about that and we'll tweet about it. So, uh, so those who are asking, we, you'll get to see those, those episodes. Um, so that's exciting. Okay. Anyway, that's all I got. Uh, without further ado, let's chew it with Mr. Bill Gerber. Now entering Nerdist.com. Chew it with a guy named Kevin. Chew it. And this other guy, Steve. Chew it. From the TV and the movies. And now this podcast stream. Chew it. They're gonna get chewy. Chew it. They might even get me. Chew it. But they're gonna get funky on this podcast thing. Uh, Do it. Try it. It's good. Chew. Yeah. Oh, I like that. You know, that's a go-getter's chew. It is. That's the chew of a man who has been in charge. That's a savvy Hollywood. Gotta chew. hit it hard. That's what we do. Yeah. We chew it, Kevin and Steve. People hate the chew. But, wow. but we, like, we like to get our guests to come that's chew. Not cool. I know. 
Are you are you immediately regretting coming on this podcast now that we've started chewing it? I have never regretted seeing you guys ever yes. for one second. Yes. Ever, ever, you ever. You silver-tongued devil. Sure. Should what we was that some? great joke you guys read? I remember we were sitting in a big writer's meeting on Dukes of Hazard, and you guys you, – oh, it was that whole idea about them having to go to Atlanta or something like yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's yeah. one of my story. We're going to yeah. tell a story. Oh, that's the sorry. first time I Am met I you. stepping on your front? No, no, no but that's okay. the first time I met you. Okay. Let's, let's introduce our guest, okay. Kevin. Kevin, do it. All right. Sitting with us today is uh, the legendary Bill Gerber. Mm. How's it going so far? We're just going to suck your dick a little bit here. Is that okay? Please. Okay. I call. I like to refer to him as Mr. Gerber. Okay. The legendary Mr. Gerber. Still the, the best poster in my office is from you guys. Did we write weird Everything. Okay. Sweet. And also you like craft services. All okay. very nice stuff. Uh, former uh, studio head. Former president of production of Warner Brothers Studio. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big wig. We have a studio head. This is the biggest wig we've ever had in that chair. It's true. Okay. Former studio head, former studio executive, uh, film producer, right? Drummer. Let, yeah, let's, not drummer? Forget, let's not forget the musical side. Yeah, we'll go to that. Film producer. Uh, 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 you were originally in the music business. Music manager. Devo. The Cars. We'll talk to that. We'll talk about that, too. We're going to talk about this, okay? Yeah. Because you've had an extra, extraordinary path. Right. Well. Drummer. Athlete. Yep. Triathlete. Yep. Lover of life. Lover of life. Bill Gerber. Dad. Gerber. And Dad. Your greatest accomplishment. Yep. You know, when you have kids, you actually do realize that it is the greatest accomplishment. If you don't completely screw it up, yeah. Don't get let me started. I have you know he has a kid now. Really? Did you know that? Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's going to be two pretty soon. And the mom is? Is my wife. Oh, it's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's a new thing for you. It, uh, it is. I got married three years ago. Uh-huh. He gets all schmoopy. She though. must be so special if she, cl- I mean, because I know the opportunities you had. It's true. I knew how popular there. you were. He was on the day. He I was there. saw. Gerber was there. The way, you know. You might be mistaking him for Johnny Knoxville, though. Yeah, yeah. You might be thinking of Johnny Knoxville. I didn't say it was the most <laughs> because that I'd was, ever seen. That was, but it was, yeah. yeah. No, that was, he was on a tear. But let's not talk about that. Let's talk about you. We'll, we will talk uh, about yeah. that. We will talk about that. We're going to talk about all of it. Well, let's talk about, you wanna, should we plug this? Yeah, new, let's plug the gigantic movie. gigantic movie let's that you've got. Let's plug the movie. Let's case. talk about that first and then go backwards. Okay, so, people tune out Yeah, so, so just to give people the, the, the career arc, it, it was music, then studio head, and then uh, became a movie producer. Right. And now you have a movie coming out. Right. And it's called what? Grudge Match, right? It's called Grudge Match. Mm. Stallone, De Niro. Stallone, De Niro, Kevin Hart. I'm mm. in. I'm in. Alan I'm already Arkin. In. I'm already in. Love that guy. Kim Basinger. Ooh. LL Cool J. Ladies love. John Bernthal. Jesus. Oh, Walking Dead. You know it. Um, my my, 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 uh, my uh, pull, John Bernthal. Okay. Oh, really? Off a magazine cover. Really? Yeah. Because you, you saw thought, him and you said, that's a, that's a I go-getter. I said, I want to make out. No. What I said, magazine? What magazine? <laughs> it was a magazine in, in Washington, D.C., and I think it's called... Washington DC or DC it's, or something. Washington it's one of those kind of glossy things right? sure DC tonight something like that yeah. and I looked over and we were in the midst of casting the movie and I looked down and thought it was a picture of De Niro and Raging Bull and said uh, okay wait a second who's this guy and I then I looked and I oh it's the Walking Dead guy and we should probably read him right. then it turns out great. not only is he you know phenomenal actor but he's a, a legit boxer oh, he so is? he plays okay. Young De Niro in the boxing scenes. Why didn't in the you movie. get Lemmy to play Young De Niro? Look at Lemmy. Want to see? Want to see my De Niro impression? Yes. Okay. This is my impression of Robert De Niro on the Planet of the Apes. Okay. Nobody can see. For it. those of you who can't see this, <laughs> get to the line. There's a lot of monkeys around here. Yeah. 
What do you good. think? Like, it's if good. he went and did that, would he got the part? I think I, I probably made the right decision. Oh, really? Do you know that I actually auditioned um, back in the 90s? I auditioned for the part of Cologio in a Bronx tale for the part of De Niro's son. Really? Yeah. I didn't get it. The guy I who got it's in jail now. Oh, he's he dead now. No, he's in jail. Yeah, he. Who? The guy, the Lilo, actor. Lilo who, Brancato Jr. Yeah, he, the guy who was cast. He was also in The Sopranos. And then he ended up, like, having a drug habit. Oh, and he started shit. breaking people's houses. Yeah, right. That guy. That guy. You know that guy. Yeah. That's the guy who got it. That guy was better than you. Yeah, Only but, in yeah. that particular audition. Yeah. I could do it now if I knew what you I was probably doing. probably could. But now you're too old. I went in with my ponytail. Right. And, like, greasy hair. Right. I've been there. I went to Jane Rosenthal. Actually. Oh, sorry. Tell us Jane Rosenthal. No, story. no, there is no story. I love Jane Rosenthal. Anyway. Uh, tell, wait, tell about Grudge Match. No, but, oh, okay, uh, but uh, uh, our production designer on Grudge Match was the production designer on Bronx Tale. Okay. Get out of here, really? Wynn Thomas. Okay, see that? It yeah. all comes full circle. Wow. Yeah. So, okay, so the plot of Grudge Match, Grudge Match. is that uh, in the 80s, there was a fierce rivalry between these two boxers. De Razor and Kid, De Niro and Stallone, is fantastic. Yeah, well, actually, uh, De Niro is an Irish guy. Okay, O'Donnan. Okay, and uh, they had two big bouts. Each one of them had a victory. Okay, and uh, for mysterious reasons, Stallone, uh, the character Razor, retires from boxing uh, just a, a, around the time they're about to have the, the grudge match. Yeah, thirty years later, still nobody knows why. And uh, there's a Jim Lampley show about rivalries, and they give a lot of attention to this particular one. And uh, it stirs up a little interest in it, and a video uh, game company approaches them about doing a little video game thing. Right. And you go in, you know, <laughs> do the motion capture business, and Kevin Hart, the son of their original promoter, goes to see them individually. And even though Stallone really doesn't want to do it, he needs the money. Can I ask a question? Yes. Did when they did the motion capture? Did Stallone and De Niro wear those little ping pong balls? Suits? Yes, they did. They did. Yes, they did. And is that in the movie? It's the. It's when the movie really starts that's going. Fucking hysterical. Yeah. Anyway, okay. so I love it. All right, I love it. I'm in. So that's what actually leads to it. So okay. Stallone agrees to do it, but on the on the condition that he doesn't see De Niro when he goes to the studio. That they do it separately. Okay. So of course, when he's in the studio doing it in the suit with the ping pong yeah, balls yeah. on it, uh, De Niro shows up early. <laughs> And one thing leads to another, and it turns into a huge brawl. Literally, they wreck the entire studio, uh-huh. and all the techies working there have recorded it on their phones and put it on YouTube, oh, and it becomes Jesus. a big sensation. Mm-hmm. And then they get an offer to really do the fight. Okay, and that's the and and so they do the fight. Oh, we, we don't know. That's, yeah, yeah, no, we didn't watch the movie. No, you'll know that they they are going to fight. And so okay. they train hard. So it's Raging Bull versus Rocky Balboa. Is yeah, what we're going for that's, that's in fine. Space Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah in Space. Cowboys. How did how, now? Who was who was involved first? Stallone. Uh, De Niro. De Niro was in De Niro first. was involved, yeah. And then they went, you, or who got Sloan? Do you get Sloan? Uh, you call him Sly? We did, but but De Niro closed him. Okay. Okay. But see, because here's, here's what awesome. people don't know about Bill. Bill Gerber has everybody on his Rolodex. He can call somebody up and say, like, <laughs> do the fucking thing, and they'll do it. Sure. Especially if Sometimes. he's got De Niro. <laughs> yeah, most of With the time. With Stallone, yeah. Yeah, definitely with Stallone. He no, did. it took De Niro calling Stallone twice to get him to do it. Because, you know, he was a little reluctant about doing another comedy after all the years. And, yeah, he yeah. just you know, he was back on top with after doing Rocky Six and, and Expendables. And, you know, yeah. he wasn't so sure because a couple of forays in didn't turn out the way he wanted them to. And how was the movie? Is it Phenomenal. hysterical and awesome? It's what stage are you at? What stage are you at? Uh, we're just, we're going to the DI next week. I mean, we're almost oh, really? at the end. Have yeah. you tested it and all that shit? Four times, yeah. And good testing scores? Huge. Okay. Oh, man. Good. I'm excited. When does it come out? 
Christmas Day. Whoa. Oh my god. You know what that means? That a means fucking blockbuster. That means it's a monster. It is. Let's Let's hope. Shit. It's a monster. Let's hope. Christmas Day. And how long were you involved in? How long was your about a four year run. Okay. Like what? Like you were involved with the nearest com- like the nearest no, people? No, 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 no. no. Uh, Pre De Niro? Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, okay. when, when I was uh, at Warner Brothers as an executive, yeah. I bought a spec script from John Davis called Grumpy Old Men. Sure. Written Heard by- Heard of it. Brit- written by Mark Steven Johnson. Okay. And so four-ish years ago, I sat down with Mark Steven Johnson just to catch up and said, you know, I'd love to find a movie that- uh, like Grumpy Old Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he said, uh, you know, it's funny because my friend Tim Kelleher told me this idea he had about these two old boxers. Right. So he tells me, you know, the two-minute version of the movie. And I said, uh, I love that idea. Yeah. If you can get the right guys. If you can get the right guys. Yeah. Well, I never, you know, me, I always assume I'm going to get the right guys. Sure, sure, mm-hmm. so, sure. Just You're like Grumpy You're, Old Men. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't make it otherwise. This is but, more like badass old men. Exactly. So sure. they're not doing, you know, the like, hey, let's bring one eye Willie to the optometrist jokes. These guys are beating the shit out of yeah, you. Yeah, they're going to have a real fight. Yeah. Now, could it, it, this turned out to be the best version of the movie and the best version of the fight because they're because it is Raging Bull and Rocky. But there are other, you know, more comedic versions you could have done. Where, sure. You know, but um, I don't mean more comedic. What I mean is less believable versions. Right. Of it, right. 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 You know? right. Um, anyway, so uh, I literally. You know, showed him out of my office and walked across the lot to Greg Silverman's office. Sure. And sold it to him in 30 seconds. I mean, it was okay. really like, Greg, I love this idea. Boom, boom, boom. He goes, great. Literally. Without actors. Attached. Nothing. Yeah, just okay. love this idea. And okay. he said, I do too. Let's do it. Okay. And it was really, he had just become president of production. At that point. Right around that. So Silverman. it's like yeah. the first or second thing he bought. And now he's, of course, the whole head of the sure. whole thing, you know? Sure. Yeah. We'll yeah. talk about him. In, yeah, we'll okay. We're going we'll to get to him. Shortly. Shortly, We'll think. get to him very shortly. Yeah. Um, um, uh, so, uh, God, this is going to be a blockbuster. I hope. I mean, everybody hopes at this point. I'm going to see that. I was reading the, the synopsis, and I thought of Lemmy, like how much Lemmy would love that movie. That's it's, right in your wheelhouse. You know, Pete Siegel directed it, and he did- Tommy the, Boy. F- and, yeah, Tommy uh, Boy, yeah. Longest Yard, yeah. Nutty Professor 2, Fifty First Dates. Yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Get smart for Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah. And I worked on uh, my fellow Americans. Speaking of casting with him way back when, which was Lemon, and it's supposed to be Lemon and Mathau, and then we did, and then I don't remember what James happened. James Garner, right? Yeah, and then yeah. It ended up being James Garner. And you know what? It just didn't have. It was a great movie. It just didn't have that one plus one equals three thing in yeah, casting, yeah, yeah. which yeah. is what it boiled down to. You know? Yeah. But anyway, he really. He he knocked this thing out of the park. I mean, he he made it the best it could possibly be. Guy's and a pro. He did a great job. He's a pro. Did a great job. Great team. He had a good team. Good producer. He had a very good producer. Fuck. That's <laughs> awesome. Good, good studio. Do you think by the end of this um, this podcast, like we'll have that Mark Stephen Johnson uh, moment with you, where you're like, you know, I'm looking for a movie, bada boom, bada boom, and then we'll I give hope you so. something. I am looking. And then for, you I'm turn always into a blockbuster. Looking. Okay. We'll pitch Let's him a few. Keep that in mind. Let's keep we'll that in mind. pitch him a few ideas. But let's go back. Like, I want to talk about uh, when we first met. Can we yeah, talk okay, about that? Yeah, sure. You know, a project we first met. Well, it had to be Dukes of Hazard. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. Because um, uh, I had never heard of Jay Chandra say that exactly. before. Right. right. But that, that, that's what I want to ask you. Like uh, you, that that project. I mean, when we got involved in it, had been you've been trying to make it for a long time, right? Mm, not that maybe a couple of years. Most, yeah, the most, yeah. Because I think it came around a couple of times or whatever, didn't it? Or I mean, you guys start trying to do different incarnations of it, or no? Mm, you know, it started, the first script was John O'Brien. Don't talk about that guy. But 
that was, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> and don't I, and don't bring up the other guy either. Okay, I pitched the, uh, you know, I I just kind of woke up one day and wanted to do like a total redneck movie. I just yeah. thought, you know, I I want to do something just fun and all. But didn't they, didn't Warner Brothers have that as a a property that they wanted not to as a up. movie no oh, they had okay. made the show yeah, yeah. no one was talking about it oh, okay. i just had this weird epiphany one morning and yeah. called jeff robinoff who was then you know uh, he wasn't even the president of production yet he sure. was like an executive vice president i said you know we should do dukes of hazard and he said let me call you back and call you back five minutes let's do it right and we heard pitches and right started it i think that was about mm, both Two oh three, yeah, and we yeah, shot. It was, and well, we no, it was came later out in oh five because it was after. Okay, well, that's, for you, that's yeah. my point. Yeah, 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 yeah it was only like yeah, two years before you guys got involved. We got involved in two thousand four. Yeah, and it was because the way I understood it, the Silverman was a fan of Super Troopers, huge, and so that's why he had wanted no, no, to get but you I, involved. But I'd also heard that uh, I heard there were a couple of I, I don't know if I, I'm allowed to say this, but I heard there were a couple of actors attached, and one of them also. They weren't really attached, but it did help get the movie made. That people thought it was Ashton Kutcher and uh, Paul Walker. Oh, Paul okay. Walker? Okay. Yeah. okay. And and uh, Britney Spears. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, really? Yeah, that was like, I was in Ireland with my daughters. Yeah. And somebody called me and congratulated me because it, it was on the cover of Variety. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. That, that's amazing. Yeah, but it was a great picture. I mean, I was, it definitely got, you know, some heat on the movie. Yeah. Whoever but, made it up, I thank them. And so who, which of those, did either of those actors say, hey, I like Super Troopers? How about the guy who did that? Or no. was it also? I've never, I never, the only, I spoke to Ashton Kutcher at one point. He came to see me at my house to talk to me about it. He had read that first script, thought it sucked, yeah. wanted to totally redevelop it and direct it and produce it. And he, you know, his own vision of the thing. And I was like, look, I, you know, I think you're really talented, but we're, this is, we're, we're already out of the station here. Yeah. Um, okay. So then, all right. So you guys, Approached Jay, or you approached other directors? Well, Silverman sent it out a couple times, I think. To I Jay. mean, yeah, it, it, you didn't know who we were. You didn't I know really who Jay had was. Never or, heard of Jay. Yeah. Hadn't seen or, uh, Super Troopers. Nothing. Yeah, we were bozos to, to Gerber. And then yeah. I, he, <laughs> hadn't, he hadn't tasted the magic yet. <laughs> he had not. No, I actually the, the Joey Kern scene. Who I and I'd worked with Joey at that point on and, Grind, on right? Grind. Yeah, I yeah. love the guy. And and I so when I finally sat down to watch Super Troopers. Yeah. From beginning to end, I, that that still to date is 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 one of the funniest scenes opening I've scenes ever. Right. Yeah, I mean yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. brilliant. And Joey Kern is the blonde kid in the it's opening just scene. Of Super brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so and he's great in that. Too. But that was all Silverman. Silverman's like, I want to hire Jay Chandra Sekar, you know. And yeah. I was like, Why? You know. Yeah. Then I saw the movie and loved the movie. And, and Greg, I think, has really really good taste he's when it comes guy. to literary stuff. Yeah. And I think it was like you know he wanted a smoking the bandit feel for it and thought yeah, it would be super we all did. Yeah. And, and uh, but I remember. Uh, I was telling. Let me. I remember the first time I met you was uh, was in a pitch meeting with Silverman because we went. We had to, you know, Jay got hired to be the director. Right, I remember this. And then we and he pitched, wanted you guys to yeah, do the writing. some writing. So we 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 were trying. There's a lot, there were a lot of things you had to work through because we had never been involved in that. And here was a thing where it was like the requirements were had to be PG thirteen, and you had to be kind of true to the to the source material. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't fuck up the TV show mm-hmm. basically, and that's something we had never dealt with, right? So. We sat for a week, you know a week and put together our take on how to fix things, and there's some problems because like, well, wasn't but now just going back, it weren't we just supposed to come up with something like a set piece for Atlanta first? No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Uh, uh-uh. I thought because that was how we started writing. We we did the Atlanta. That's the first thing we, we did worked the, on. And then we did the third act. That's the problem. Because here's the problem. The problem was that you had to put that flag on top of that car. That was later, but yeah. That, but that was the issue that we oh, had to deal with. Oh, was that the Alan with. Horn issue at that yeah, point? Yeah, that was the issue. It was like, you have to put the Confederate flag on that car. It's actually right. my story about the flag's pretty good one. What was your, what was your story? 
No, finish your story. Oh, so uh, in in nineteen seventy nine, whatever the TV show was, or whatever, it wasn't a big of a problem. Is it now? Now it's like you put the flag somewhere and people go crazy. Yeah, justifiably so. And so we had to come up with a reason why the flag was on the car, mm. right? And so we came up with different ways. And then we uh, what we did was we decided, oh, somebody put it on their car as a joke because they knew they were going to like a black neighborhood in Atlanta. And they put it on and their car. They didn't know joke. it was on there, and then they got right. stopped in, in the, by the gangs, right. and they came up and which went, is ultimately oh, the joke, what, yeah. kind of what happened. But yeah. but we took that further, and we were kind of like, all right, well, who would put the thing on the car like that? And it's like, oh, well, Cooter would do it because he was fixing the car. But why would Cooter do it? Oh, maybe because Cooter's black. Okay, so we decided our big pitch was we were going to make Cooter <laughs> black. We were into that, idea. and we were totally into that idea. And I remember we went into the meeting and we pitched pitched Silverman ideas, and you were in the meeting. And I had never met you before. I, I, I thought maybe you were still with Warner Brothers at that point. I didn't know, you know. Because you looked like yeah, a studio head. Because you're a studio head. Yeah. Okay, so we sit down. <laughs> that's part of, that's part of the, how you get the job, by the way. You have to have the look. You got to have the look. Yeah, and Gerber's got the look. He's got yeah. the look. And so, uh, so we pitch Silverman this idea about Cooter being black. And Silverman, uh, who we had had a bunch of dealings with at that time, is maybe the, maybe the worst pitch in Hollywood. He's one of the worst pitches in Hollywood. You don't have this problem because everything you – Sells to him. everything you have sells. To him. Well, because he just goes in there and tells Silverman. yeah, tells Silverman you're going to buy this. Right, when he was the head of the studio. He gave Silverman a job, <laughs> and so and so now Silverman. I try not to waste his time. Right, and so he he uh, he's a tough pitch, and so uh, we pitched him that idea, and in the middle of that pitch, we pitched Cooter's Black. He stands up, and he walks out of the room, and in his office uh, is a bathroom. Right, he has a bathroom attached to that office, and he walks out into the bathroom. And, and in the middle of a sentence, and we're just sitting there like, holy shit. And we're looking at Gerber. Gerber's sitting there like, you know, whatever. And then he walks back out of the bathroom holding his stomach. And he's like, I think I'm going to be sick. And we're like, what are you talking <laughs> about? He's like, you just pitched for us to make Cooter a black character. How do you think that's going to sit with the people who are the fans of the show? Blah, 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 blah. And he just went on this whole thing about how we were making him sick to his stomach. And he went into the bathroom because he felt like he was going to throw up. It's fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, be- the beautiful thing was Gerber... Has you know was smooth as he didn't it didn't phase him at all. We were fucking we were scared because we thought we were done. Oh yeah, and, and Gerber was no, like laughed it off. Gerber's pulling the strings. Yeah, I guess so. I yeah, guess that's what happened. Whatever. I just said okay, he's not black. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like so been out of shape about Gerber. it. No, but the the story was great though because you know we're about to make the movie. Yeah, and um. Alan Horn is now the head of production, uh, the head of the studio. Right. And Jeff is number two. And um, he, Jeff says, Jeff Alan's got a, yep. Jeff Robinoff, yep. yeah, the, one of the greats. And he says, mm-hmm. uh, Alan's got a real issue with the confession. Because Alan is, you know, Mr. NAACP. I mean, he's one of the yeah. great lib- liberal. Yeah, you yeah. know, you know, uh, 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 guys of all time, and puts his money where his mouth is, and his feet where you know. I mean, he walks the walk. And so I say, you know, Alan, it has nothing to do with these issues that you're worried about. I mean, it's just the car, and it represents a, a, an as you know aspect of these guys being from the South and all that stuff. And so I go, look, let me let me work on it a little bit. So I call one of the great record entrepreneurs of all time who's also very involved in civil rights movement, uh, Clarence Avant. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, so I call Clarence. I go, hey, Clarence, I have something really, really 
sensitive to talk to you about. <laughs> and he's known me forever. He knew my dad. And, you know, my dad was involved in the civil rights movement and managed Diane Carroll for 35 years yeah. and, you know, hung out with Harry Belafonte and Cindy Poitier and went to the rallies in Central Park and uh-huh, all that stuff. Uh-huh. So they knew I came from a, a line of, sure. you know, you'd cover okay people, sure, right? You're all yeah. right. Yeah. And uh, and so um, that's Bill Gerber. Yeah. So he's all right. So I I, I, I go. You know, um, we're making this movie, Dukes of Hazard, and I don't know if you remember, but you know they got this this charger and uh, this muscle car, <laughs> and uh, you know on the top on the roof of the car is a Confederate flag. He goes, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. <clears throat> He goes, uh, and and you know, uh, uh, Nicole uh, is in the house. His daughter, who who my wife grew up with, and he goes, "Hey, Nicole, you remember uh, Dukes of Hazard?" And uh, she goes, "Yeah, yeah, I love that show. I love that show." He goes, "You know what? Let me let me make a couple calls. I'll call you back, right?" Mm-hmm. So I go, "Okay, thanks. I really appreciate it, Clarence." Like literally the next day, he calls me back, and he's like, uh, "I talked to the guys. Uh, you won't have a problem." <laughs> <laughs> the guys, yeah. Which Who guys? are the guys? Which guys are those? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the guys. You know, like kind of Jesse Jackson and folks like that. Okay. You know, and he okay. goes, I, I checked in with the guys, and uh, you know, they all thought the show was good. And okay, you're good. Okay, I call Alan Horn. I said, Clarence Avon says we're good. <laughs> he goes, okay. <laughs> and you know what? Not one it was complaint. Never, it was never an issue. Ever. It never was. But maybe Ever. it's because of the way we handled it, though. Well, I mean, I think that the sh- yeah. Look, if those guys had put it on because they were excited to put it on, then that would have been weird. And the fact of the matter is, it was just part of the show. Yes, and 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 you remember when we were shoot- we were in Louisiana shooting? I mean, it wasn't. Everybody thought that sh- the, they liked the people making the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They liked the people in the movie. It, it worked for the story. It yeah. worked for the car. It's it's an iconic thing of uh, yeah. you know southern. You know, hillbillies, and, and it just it's just funny. You yeah, know, I mean, yeah. nobody, you know, on the contrary, these guys were, you know, they would have, they weren't very popular. I mean, they were moonshiners, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah. No, but I, I, that was the beauty of that movie is that it's a great cast and it's a funny movie, and we had a blast and making a great it. team to, behind it as well, well. We had a great time making we it. We did have a really great, had a great, great time. time. And yeah, it was for time. us, it was like the first kind of big studio thing that we had done, and we learned a lot of cool shit on it from start to finish I mean like well they had I was talking about like uh, 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 in the pre-production of it you remember when uh, we were writing and you guys were still a little worried about us you guys were still a little well, we concerned did a, about who we were we did a piece and parcel we did the Atlanta set piece first yeah. then we did the the whole third act right but you remember what they did is they brought in these other writers remember this that, right so yeah. like like at one point we're writing it and we were kind of the joke guys right and yeah. then they decided that they needed a story guy to make sure the story is good remember this we sat down with Brian Hegland. Heglin, yes. Right? Is well, he was just doing right? it as a favor. No, I know. Yeah, I know. But we sat, sat down with him for like a day and talked through the story. And he's like, he's "Yeah, the like story's that. good. The story's good." Yeah, he was great. And then you guys decided that you, we or Silverman decided maybe that it needed heart, mm-hmm. and they brought in a heart. We sat down with a heart guy. Remember that guy? It was Mike. Uh, Mike Rich. Mike Rich, the guy. Mike did Rich. The I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. He, great. he flew down from like Vancouver, Seattle, yeah. or something. But we had all kinds of jokes about Mike Rich yeah. that like. Because he was the heart, the emotion guy. Like he, he had, he had he a box wrote, of tissues he, in every room. He also really supposedly wrote that uh, miracle movie. 
Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I the, thought he actually did. Did he not get credit? I don't think he got credit. Okay. But yeah, he. Yeah, we had jokes that he would walk in with his own box of tissues because he was a heart guy. And like wherever there was a phone, there was a box of tissues. So wherever he sat down to speak with people, he could always have a tissue nearby. I completely forgot that part. Yeah. I forgot. See? It's fond memories. Do you remember the day that you and I first met? I can re- I can refresh you. Yeah, please. It's not a pop. It's not please. a pop quiz. It was the day that uh, we screen tested all the different Daisy Dukes. Ah, and I, I won't. You mention- didn't come when we were shooting that on the ranch. You weren't there. I was. Oh, well, oh, screen test. The screen test. Well, we actually did the screen. Tell me what a screen test is. That's uh, uh, Mr. Gerber. Uh, no, it, it was uh, the screen test for people who don't know is yeah. like when they're when they're down to the final actors. They had already cast the, the guys, and then they wanted to. Um, find the perfect Daisy Duke. And so there were a number of high-profile Hollywood actresses. Yeah. Uh, I'll name the one who was who did get the part. Right. Jessica Simpson. Jessica, she was yep. there. I got to play Enos, which is another issue that we're going to fucking talk about. <laughs> I got to play Enos for the screen test and read with all of the, the actresses. And they would come, like, running up the stairs to the, the set of the house. Yeah. And I would have the scene, like, you know, and I'm Southern accent, I'm in costume. They're in costume. And Jessica Simpson was there with her. You know, in her short little shorts. top and short shorts, <laughs> and it was an excellent, it was an excellent experience. Like I remember, how great did she look? She looked, oh fa- my god, she looked fantastic. She looked great. And when she would come running up the stairs, like you know, I remember pulling her aside before she did it because yeah. she was pretty nervous. She hadn't done a lot of acting. Yeah, and I just said, "This is yours. Yeah, just go in there and nail this thing." Because I knew the studio; I, it made a big difference. It, it did. I, I, I mean, Elizabeth Banks was phenomenal. She was, and great. she's really yeah. talented. Yeah. Um, there was, she was Jessica was having a moment right oh, then. Oh yeah, you know? she was a, she was a superstar at that point. She was and, about to be, and and she looked yeah right for the part. Yeah, and it, for all the so all Elizabeth the, Banks. Well, it's yeah. funny because I've had I've had a, uh, dinner with Elizabeth Banks since that experience, and, yeah. and you know, we talked about the fact that I read her and Jessica Simpson at the same you know. In, <laughs> who was who was the third? I cannot remember. Oh, I. Uh... Okay. It was somebody. There was another one yeah. who was great. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Brunette. Go on. Who we I remember on. we saw at Mary Vernews. She was spectacular. It wasn't Jessica Beale, was it? No, because Jessica. No. Mm-mm. No. Hmm. Anyway. I remember um I remember other people came in red. A long for time. Yeah. Carmen Electra but this, came in. But there were three uh, there were three on yeah, the screen there test. Were three. Day. It was Elizabeth yeah. Banks, Jessica. Yeah. And but Elizabeth Banks thinks the whole thing is hilarious. She's like there I am with like my B cup boobs, and I'm scrawny, yeah. and they've got me in this Daisy Duke outfit, and I'm looking over. And there's Jessica Simpson. She's in her trailer with like all these girls. Yeah, because there were fans at the lot who were surrounding. The... Yeah, we were on the ranch. Yeah, we were freaking out. Oh my god, that's the thing. That was the thing about her. It's like the, the wherever you went, it was like that. Yeah, that's the moment every that she night. Was By the way, I, I I remember distinctly that from the time it was rumored she was in the movie until. After the movie was released, I could only think of one week she wasn't on the cover of one of those. Right. I mean, literally, yeah, every I know. single week yeah. Yeah. from the beginning to the end. And no, it, she and was the sweetest girl in the world, too. She was too. super and, nice. And you, when she was in the height of it, like I remember we would go out to bars All the time, down yeah. there, and they would have to rope off a section, and we would go to the bar, and we'd stand behind a rope, and we'd hang out, and then people would just line the rope and look at you while you yeah. drank at the bar. With like, her body. Gonna, while you yeah. spoke to Jessica Simpson. Yeah, it's like you're in a um, fucking zoo. By the way, we had seven, I think I'd still hold the record on that movie, seven rap parties. <laughs> that good. That I mean, that was a phenomenal filming experience. It was. It was. It was great. It was, it was a great we cast. were one of the first, you know, productions in Louisiana. Yeah, 
to get the incentive. But also, I mean, it, just to, to have the, you know. How about the, uh, you know, by the way, the guy that did our drift driving in, yeah, uh, yeah. around the the Jackson thing in New Orleans? Yeah. Guy became the drift champion of the world. I, I, I know that. Yeah. That's unbelievable. And did Kiwi. He, did he do the stunt work on Tokyo Drift? No idea. Fast and he wrote it. It was about him. <clears throat> Might be. Okay, so wait. So Dukes you, had, yeah, So I'm saying you, f- you forget, though, also, I mean, it's Willie Nelson. It's Burt Reynolds. It's, it's just Linda Carter. Burt Reynolds. It's just, you oh. know, to have those people there. It was awesome. Sean was so funny. Sean was great. Knoxville, awesome. Yeah, and don't forget the Broken Lizard part. The Broken Lizard people. But Knoxville, you know, he was just a big surprise because we all knew he was talented, but he's just such a gentleman and a great guy. Smart guy. And every day would read like the New York Times on the set. Smart dude. You had a pretty good actor for Enos. Not Steve Lemmy. Michael Weston was his name? Yeah. <laughs> Not Steve Lemmy. I, I lobbied hard for the part of Enos. Michael Weston's talented. He's great. He's, He's a, a great serious guy. actor, yeah. yeah. He's great. So I'm is like, Steve Lemmy. Oh. Right. He's almost a serious actor. Why didn't Steve you Lemmy? get it? Was well, because there are too many broken legend people? No, I don't know. No, it's interesting. Did I, I fuck you up because I got a part No, you didn't fuck me up because, like, like, in fact, the first day of the screen test, that was when I met Bill Gerber, we actually hit it off pretty well. You did? Well, yeah, we, were, we were talking shit and, like... Uh, you know, like Jessica Simpson, we were making, you know, lascivious comments. And then, like, Rob Lowe walked by, remember, and you were like, hey, Bobby, come here, or something. And, like, he came over, he's like, hey, Billy, like, giving you noogies. And, you know, like, so I'm standing there Somebody with you really wanted Lowe. to meet him. I can't remember which one it was, you Probably guys. Chandra Shaker. I think it was Jay, and I he took him over to Rob's yeah. uh, trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Out a little bit, yeah. yeah. But then you, like, I was like, well, I'd really love to play Enos. You'd be like, you'd be fucking great. Yeah, you should totally do it. And you called Shandra Sekar over, and you're like, what about Lemmy as Enos? And he was like, ah, ha, ha. <laughs> uh, that was his response, and uh, like you pushed for me for Enos for a couple of times. It was Shandra Sekar who who didn't want me to do it? Yeah, like, he wanted to cast it up or something. Yeah. Familiar, familiarity breeds contempt, I guess. I guess. I so. guess I was the boy crush. I'll get it. I guess so. You I look to... good in those uh, tidy whities Thank you, man. With that shade, that was a rough night. Thank you. It was a cold, cold night. I was. You know, about twenty degrees. I've never been so scene. cold. I know, and I was in the tidy whities all night. I my original scene was also in that in the dead that of night. night. Yeah, yeah, it was cold. Yeah. Bitter cold. But that's all right. You had, to, you had to erase the breath digitally. We did. Yeah, which is amazing. That's movie magic. Yeah. But I know, I, I, I love that. I saw it rec- recently. It was on the cable or something. I saw it. And it's just such a funny goddamn movie. It got some backlash, I felt like. It was a little backlash. It was a little backlash on really? Jessica. I think people wanted to hate it. Well, I think there are a couple things. I think, number one, like the original people... Like trash just from the start. Oh yeah, the reviews. Matter of fact, I was no. Big, I'm talking the I Duke, was, the, the, the the people oh, from the TV show. Yeah, what's his face? Like Cooter. Ben, yeah, what's his Cooter, name? Yeah. And Jim remember, Schneider it was the Times. Picayune had a huge article yeah. interview with him killing us. But there's the no re- support from them. The reviews were pretty mean, and I and I yeah. begged Warner's to take an ad that said the critics are unanimous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the sad thing was, though, a lot of those critics were just attacking Jessica. And just because she was Jessica, which is bullshit, because she did a good job, well, and she's a sweetheart. Movie, movie a sweet made girl. over $100 million, you know? Yeah. 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 Fuck them, right? Yeah. Fuck and it's guys. a good movie. I love it's that movie. It's a really movie. good movie. It's a genuinely good movie. And the the R-rated uh, cut is also very That's funny. That's good, too. That's good, too. With all of our, with our oh, filthy Oh, boy. Jokes. That's good, too. Um, but that was a... Uh, Sorority. The sorority. The, the, we put nudity into the Duke's Hazard, which was good. Yeah. Um, um, do you? Uh, I want to tell. I, wanna, I wanted to tell the story, but I don't know if you want to talk about this. If you don't talk about, it, we can cut it out. He doesn't know what I, it is. I, I, uh, that the uh, fucking Toblerone guy, Toberoff. Oh, that guy. Well, you know, you want to talk about it's that, not that? Sure, it's not that interesting. Well, here's because yeah. it, no, from our perspective, yeah. here's how we found out. Okay, right. I don't know if you know this part of the story. Okay, he was trying to get you guys to do F Troop. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Right. So like we, uh, he's making. Make he. 
He's this guy, Mark Tobaroff, and basically he's kind of a parasite. He he goes out and finds people who owns rights to other properties and then tries to get them to sue studios when they make the movies. That's basically what he does for a living. I said it. You don't have to say it. So anyway, so uh, we get a call that this guy owns some rights to F Troop, and he calls us in because we're the guys at Super Troopers. How would be great? They'd be like an army outpost in the West or whatever. And so we put together this uh, – we go in there, and we're like, all right, fine, fuck it. We'll do it. We don't know who the guy is, and he's got a development guy that we liked and whatever. And So we put this – Pitch together for F Troop, and we go around to all the studios to pitch it with him in the room. This guy Mark Tober. I, I was right. playing Larry Storch. Sure, right. I was the Storch. You'd and, be good. Thank you. And we did not know that he had a fucking lawsuit, probably against every one of those studios that we sat in, and everyone hated his goddamn guts. And we didn't know that. And we're going around to every studio pitching this movie with this guy in the room. And it got to the point where we went to to Warner Brothers and pitched it, and it was while we were doing the Dukes of Hazard. And I don't know if you were in the room. He was. Or I he was. was outside the room. He was I in was. the room. You were in, in the room. room. I was right. listening to the pitch. He passed, he passed the note. What was the note? The note said, this is the asshole that's suing us on Dukes of Hazzard. <laughs> okay. To who? Did you, the Silverman? He, he passed it to Jay. He said, oh. this is the, they were like, they were, that was going on. And that's, that's when we found out. We but didn't to, know. But to show you Jay's morals, he's like, so what? Yeah. Well, yeah. Probably. By the way, Jay listens to this podcast. <laughs> Good. Hi, Jay. <laughs> no, but I mean... That was when we found out. And we're like, what the fuck? We're, we're wasting our goddamn time pitching this asshole. And the, the venom that was in your eyes in that room was so Well, because you, I think you had never seen him before, and you didn't know, and it was like... And I knew the, what was happening with the negotiation, so I yeah. knew what was, you know, I knew the other side of the story. But the truth is, there's a coda to the story, which was, you know, he and I... At the premiere, oh yes, yeah. That, that. Uh, you know, I hadn't seen. I, I I didn't know what he looked like, and I had somebody point him out. To <laughs> it me, was you know? me. I pointed him out. <laughs> yeah, there. you did. Right? Well, I was like, Gerber, there's that fucking asshole. Just a joke, and then you made a beeline for that and guy. By, by the way, by the way, the fact that he had he demanded in the deal. tickets to yeah, the premiere the of yeah, the yeah, movie. Yeah. He was suing like, suing for the successor for money, and then he wanted two tickets to the premiere, and yeah. he got them. And, and he was well, there because they completely had us by the balls, as yeah. it turned out, because yeah. of the way it was handled, and. Um, I, I confronted him, you know, and it was a fun night. Remember, I had Willie Nelson playing. Oh man, it was, it was a, one it was of the, the great best. premieres of yeah, all time. The best. Yeah. Yeah. And we had the we had the Bronco, and we had the yep, yep. and the cars we were all the there, Lee there, and, and everything. Yeah, that's that, right. And right. hay, a lot of hay, hay all over the a lot of hay. Hollywood, uh, a lot of girls and Daisy Dukes. And oh, great! And I go and I go listen, and I literally get into it with this guy, and you know, and I'm you not, made a beeline yeah, for him. Yeah, I'm not a street fighter, but I, yeah. I'm also not that fearful, and. um so I get into it with this guy, and we're sizing each other up, and we're about to go at it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we're talking, talking, and you know, and he's like, you know, you guys could have settled that thing. I asked for blah blah blah. So we literally kind of the story comes out in thirty five seconds, whatever, you know. And I go, you know what? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, we shake hands, and that's the end of it. And yeah. ever since then, we've been kind of cordial, and you know, because he. Oh, really? He tried to settle for so much less than they ended up winning because yeah. Warner's just kept saying, you don't have a case, you don't have a case. And then finally, not only did they have a case, they cleaned our clocks. Yeah, they did. You know, yeah. They did. Yeah. And and uh, there was a crowd forming watching you in the confrontation with that guy because you're like, I was ready. Holy shit. Holy shit. Well, Gerber, by, Gerber went after him. Gerber's going the, after him. By the way, I, you know, you left out two people that were standing with the two of you. Yeah, yeah. You. Me and your father. Yeah, 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 yeah. My dad was there. Because yeah, yeah. like we were having a nice cordial conversation and you pointed out Toberoff. Yeah. And then Gerber turned and fucking beelined. Yeah. And we sat there and, and you know, and, and commented the whole thing like yeah. Howard Cosell. Holy shit. That was fucking amazing. 
great, uh, great. Another, you know, by the way, another great premiere party that we had there was uh, the for, Beerfest. for Beerfest. Ooh, let's Amazing. Talk, let's talk about Beerfest. Hmm? Did you uh, uh, ever think that Warner Brothers would make a movie like Beerfest? Well, if you remember, we were going to do uh, the, Greek, the Greek Road. The Greek Road. That was our Which I, I still think is a better script. Probably, yes. Yeah. And, and, you know. It's not as much red meat, though, for the fans. But literally, you know I mean? it's, a, it's a really good piece yeah, of writing. Yeah, sure. And sure. it still Thank should you. happen, you know, I think. Anyway, so that was the one I was pushing for. And, De Niro um, and Stallone. Yeah, basically. Okay. And uh, okay. as Plato and Socrates. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, what happened mm-hmm. was uh, it wasn't really penciling out. Because basically Robinoff, uh, yet again, and, and Silverman just said to you guys after Dukes, look, you got an, you got another shot. What do you want to do? You yeah. Know? yeah. Basically, do whatever you want. You got 12 and a half million bucks. Yeah. Make yeah. any movie you want. Yeah. And turned out that was the one that penciled out for everybody. Yeah, budget-wise it fit. Yeah, and we uh, debated it, but off we went. And uh, but the idea was though that Warner Brothers doesn't make, like they don't make rated R comedies, right? I mean, especially well, at the time, there was pre-hangover. it was all Harry Potter. It yeah, was all pre-hangover. Harry Potter and Batman. Yeah, and so we were shocked that I know. I don't know how the, how did you get it by Alan Horn? I didn't. Jeff and Greg did. Yeah. I mean, they just said, we're, we believe in these guys. We're going to make another movie. I think he literally said, Alan Horn, as I understand the quote, was like, I'm just going to turn a blind eye. You're right. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to pay. Yeah. I don't know about this. Yeah. I have nothing to do with it. Well, because also the, the budget was about the size of the, like, the Superman catering budget at the time. Basically, you know, yeah. Man? Yeah. And then Legendary got involved. Yeah. They I know. Tall loved though, right? the movie. No, Tall yeah. really loved right, the movie. Wheelhouse. It was in Wheelhouse. Totally. Yeah. 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 Uh, he I was, was shocked that they. I was just shocked that Warner Brothers said that we would make a movie called Beerfest. I, I, you know. Well, I mean, the you know the way that that the story goes down is pretty amazing for us. I mean, we had Beerfest was over at Sony with yeah. Sandler as the producer. Happy Madison, yeah. And the script that we shot, uh, we had submitted to them, and they actually said, "Hey, we've got. We're going to say something to you we've never said before, but we actually have no notes on the script. So let's go over to the meeting with the executives." And let's get this thing greenlit. And we went over there, and the executives did have notes. They had some real fundamental problems. Um, they said, one, you know, you guys have made like a, a sports – this is like a sports movie that you've written here. But this is not a sports movie. We were like, actually, it is a sports movie. It's supposed to be like Hoosiers or anything like that, just with beer drinking. That's the joke. And then they said, you know, and um, all right, well, at the end of the second act, like you guys have a main character dying, and then you bring back his twin brother. Like, that's really cynical. That's not going to fly. We're like, oh, we actually think that's a fantastic uh, <laughs> plot twist. Yeah, yeah. And then they said, all right, well, but also these guys are unsympathetic characters. I mean, they drink like Budweiser beer. <laughs> and we were like, well, what kind of beer should they drink? And the guy said, uh, I don't know, Stella Artois. Mm. And we're like, okay, now you're missing the point. And then, uh, and then, uh, um, God, now I'm blanking on, uh, um, Sandler's president. Jack Gerpudo. Uh, Gerpudo said he, – he ripped them a new asshole and he said, like, you guys have totally missed the point. Let's go, guys. Let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. We stepped out on the front steps of, of the Sony building and he said, uh, well, it looks like we're not making that movie here. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's it for us. And literally the phone rang while we were there on the stairs mm-hmm. and it was the call from our agents who were flabbergasted. They were like – Warner Brothers just called and has offered you a green light on any movie you want to do. So what do you want to do? <laughs> and then, by the way, uh, it was very uh, magnanimous of uh, Adam and Jack not to throw their baggage on the whole thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. they Because cool. they bowed out. Yeah, they bowed out a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. Oh, those That's guys. Where you stepped in, Mister Gerber. But having Mister and Gerber, your boy and your boy Rich was around. Right, right, right. But I mean, the thing was having you. Uh, at Warner Brothers was always like a fantastic like 
walking around with Gerber at Water oh. Brothers is always like you just like you'd walk into like the marketing department, you know, and Gerber would be like bada bing, bada boom, bada bing, you know, and <laughs> yeah. then he'd have some shit done, you know what I mean? Was, Whereas like uh, you'd be fighting with people, or like he'd go into the you know the guys who are making the posters, and he's like ah bada boo bada boo, and then boom, it's done, you know, and it's like no, dude, it was, it was like so wonderful. It was like that uh, wonderful religious parable footsteps, where <laughs> okay. you're walking and then you turn around. There's only one set of footsteps, and you're like, Mister Gerber, where are you? And he's like, you realize you're in his arms and he's carrying you. <laughs> Those were the days. You know, no, that was the it, beauty it, of you at Warner Brothers. It's, a, I mean, great, it's, it's a great company, and I've been there almost 30 years. And yeah. after a while, you, you, you know, they say it's a family. And yeah. you, you know, it's, it's, it's the Corleone family, but it's yeah. a family. You no, know, but it's so classy, just, that place. I mean, like, yeah. I, the, the, you know, we had, we had been in a few other studios, and we'd done a few other things, and we've had executives and studio heads who were kind of assholes and guys who were, you know, not that nice and condescending or whatever, and... Warner Brothers, it was just classy. And you got the shit that you needed to get the movie done. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, we need Cloris Leachman. You get Cloris Leachman. You need Donna How Sutherland. How great was Cloris Leachman? Unleashed. You need Donna <laughs> Sutherland. Here, we'll get you Donna Sutherland. Sutherland. I mean, we need ACDC in this scene. You got it. You know, it was just yeah. like, you know, boom. Well, sitting in, you know, one of the most fascinating meetings I ever sat in was the soundtrack meeting where we went yeah. down the list of songs. With Jeff and Greg, yeah. And yeah. they were like... They were like, well, do we need this one? Not ding that one. How about the ACDC song? Do we need that? They're like, oh, definitely. Well, that was Robinov. Was like, By the way, yeah. Because you know what? I, I like Robinov. I can't say enough about that guy. I love that guy. And there were like three or four meetings that we had between Dukes and Beerfest where I was just like, this guy is the fucking shit. And he could run a meeting. And that there was one meeting we had a music meeting, which was uh, he ran and it was bang, bang, bang. And then we had another one he wasn't in and it was a clusterfuck. Like there was just pe- the other executives were trying to run it, you know? But Robinov was just like, Okay, ACDC, you got it. Boom, you know. It you know, I'll tell you, by the way, ACDC, because there were two ACDCs, and yeah. I remember... Well, there was an ACDC in, in Dukes. Remember yeah. when we were... Yeah, in Dukes. But yeah. we were on Dukes when we were... When uh, Carter was doing the music, Armstrong, yeah. and, and he was in that little that little office where they were temping stuff, yeah. and there was this great moment with ACDC, and we, and we hadn't bought it yet. And in, I, Duke, in, in Dukes. In Dukes, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I literally walked over to Jeff's office and said, do you have a minute? And he was like, yeah, sure, Bish. He got up out of his seat, followed me across the lot into Carter Armstrong's office. I said, hit it, played it. He went, okay. I mean, it was so cool the way he just did it, you know? It was the same thing when we put that ACDC song Beer Fest, and he was like, Okay, I'm not going to pay for this, 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 but I'm paying for that song for that because it's the big moment. By the way, I just had the same thing with Greg on Grudge Match, where yeah. I, you know, because first of all, Greg and I have actually jammed together, you know, <laughs> so we understand the value of a great classic yeah, rock sure, song. Sure. And uh, what do, what instrument does Greg play? He was singing. Okay, he's, oh, okay. he's got a great little band called Love Handles. <laughs> and, and we we jammed a few times when the drummer was well. He had a, let's say he had a little accident. He wasn't available, so I had to sit in for him. Okay, and uh, you did a sesh. Yeah, and it was ACDC uh, yet again because at the end of Grudge Match, um, there was just a moment where you know it just totally paid off. And I said to Greg, "It's got to be Greg. Yeah. It's I'm, I'm telling you." Yeah, he's like. I've seen that look in your eye yeah, yeah, before. Yeah. They got to yeah. be a discount for it now. It's got it? No, not at all. I Kid, know. bigger what, than ever. What does it cost now for a know. song? Is it two fifty, four fifty? Well, it was more for Dukes than it was for Beavers because it's like based on the budget, right? Or like the, the, like the ACDC you know, song was like two seventy five or something like that. For which one? For for, for the AC, for Beer Fest. But I, I, here's what I remember: like we had the fight. The, the song gets put in. We're sitting at the premiere. And uh, that scene comes up, and the song comes up, right? And I'm sitting at the premiere in my row, and I feel this hand reach out and squeeze my shoulder yeah. during that song. And I turn around, and it's Robinoff. He's sitting behind me in the premiere, 
And he squeezed my shoulder during that. Well, because... Which I thought was fucking awesome. How often in life do you get to see yourself on screen with ACDC backing you? And he knew that. Yeah. He knew that. He knew the song fucking worked. Have a drink on me. God bless that guy. Um... Yeah, the, I had that moment with Poison's Every Rose Has Its Thorn. Yeah, another another mm-hmm. one that we got. Another one we got for that movie. Yeah. Another beauty of being in Warner Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the original? Wasn't, wasn't A Whole Lot of Love originally going to be in the slot where... We didn't get that. We yeah, didn't, we in, didn't get that. In Dukes. It was too expensive. Way too expensive. And I was pulling every string I could with their management. It just was too much money. Yeah. And then it ended up being, I think, if you want blood, if you want, if you want if blood, you, if you want blood, yeah, yeah, for race from ACDC. Hmm. How did Beerfest? Did Beerfest make some money for Warner Brothers or what? I believe it. Made we don't a see lot the profit. Yeah, we don't. I haven't seen one either. But you, uh, oh bullshit! Come on, you get. Well, them, I've right? seen the lack of profit statements, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a funny feeling in the old days of DVD they did just fine. Yeah, yeah. I think they probably did. You guys well. overperform in DVD all the time, always. Yeah, Broken but we so, underperform yeah. in theatrical, which is our, the bane yeah. of our. But existence. that w- that wasn't our fault, and and uh, you know. Warner Brothers was great, but like what ha- they saw a test screening, yeah, that tested really well, and then decided just to put the movie out immediately. Yeah, and, and so even though they spent a ton of money on on the beer fest advertising, it was in too short a period of time. Well, it was also the end of August, and the, the, I think the idea was let's go out there when schools are in session, and the school no the schools were in session, so it was kind of a weird. It ended up being, but I think it was like you know they they remember we went to that big room and they had big room. It was like Dan Feldman had all the stuff on mm-hmm. the wall. And he's like, is this week and this, this week weekend, and this week and this week this and weekend this weekend grosses this yeah. and this weekend grosses that. Yeah, look good on paper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And then something else had something else had tanked at Warner Brothers, and they well they were having a terrible stretch because they had they had Poseidon Adventure, uh, uh, Lady in the Water, uh, the Superman movie that didn't perform. That was yeah. that summer. You. That was that summer. I know. The, right? dude, the dude is an encyclopedia. Jesus. Right. Well, they had those, because I, I knew, because we were like Matt, watching the failures. Matt Holtzman or whatever. It's like NPR. Anyway. That's right. Yeah, and, but, and then, and then but they raised, perform. But they, and they then, projected us at $30 million originally, and then after some of their failures, they actually just inexplicably raised us up to a $50 million yeah. expectation. Yeah. So we really underperformed. <laughs> Which was kind of a silly yeah. for our, our little $13 million movie. Yeah. You know? But that movie had tested well. Yeah. But the proof's in the pudding, man. People love that fucking yeah. movie. Yeah. Movies, I... People I, love that I, movie. I mean, a week doesn't go by that you yeah. don't hear from somebody. And we talk about everyone wants Weed Fest, too. Should we Everybody do that Everybody wants Weed Fest. Should we make it? Probably should. Now, you know, one of the things we've talked about with, with, with making that movie is... Do you do a different plot, or do you do the same characters? Do you pick up right where we left off the old movie? Like where we go into this thing with Willie Nelson, and then, you know, obviously we can figure out what happens there. I think you do a little of all of the above. You know, I think you got to get answer. You got to get, you got to (laughs) get former studio head. No, but you got to really take a journey that everybody wants you know the thing that adam sandler does so brilliantly is he just knows his audience you know he knows exactly where they want him to go yeah you know and i think you guys have that to an extent as well and and you know you haven't you you haven't taken a stand yet if you do pot fest (laughs) you know you want to run into cheech and chong absolutely you need willie nelson i mean it's like yeah yeah, snoop it's like how do you where is this place is it in cashmere where does this thing happen you know you gotta yeah figure all that out so i do think it's a little like i said it's a little of all of it all the above because you you yes you want to begin where the last one ended with willie and you know where are we going and that's where you're off to but then from that point on you know yeah it's the same characters so you know, but it's the it's the journey that'll be so interesting. Here, here's a question for you because you have considerable juice. Could you get us Bill Clinton to be in Potfest? 
No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Could you get Warner Brothers to make Potfest? Maybe. I I I'm skeptical. That's my that's my problem. I don't think Warner Brothers would make Potfest. Look at that's a challenge that Mr. Gruber didn't well, like being given. They made Hangover. And, yeah, and true. they made um, Project X. True. This is the 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 thing is it's the challenge because I've been in rooms with Gerber in Warner Brothers where they buy shit in the room. Oh yeah, like it's happened. I I can think of it at least tw- twice in addition to Duke. By the way, Fest. I mean a couple of things. You it was you guys, it wasn't me. You guys had a good you know baby maker or whatever. It was yeah. a good pitch. You guys developed it. I didn't do shit. I just came along and nah, said you got juice. Yeah, so well, it's he's juicy. Be good. Oh, he's so juicy. Shit. He's like one of those pieces of gum with the juice in the middle. Let's go. T- let's talk about the um, uh, when you were at the, at the st- when the studio head. Can we talk about that? Sure. Are you leaving now? Uh, Are you leaving now? It's up to Kate. No, no. Is. We're we're here for the you, long haul. We, oh, yeah. we want to hear everything you have to say because I also <laughs> right. want to talk about your music career. Oh yeah. Okay. 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 Should we talk Sh- studio first though? Well, let's go back to the beginning. I want to hear how Billy Gerber became a studio head from where he was originally. Okay. So you you were a music manager first, right? Well, in school I was a drummer. Okay. And, <laughs> Don't and, go back that far, Gerber. And uh, but but that was really my intention. Well, you're our guest. You tell us what you want to tell us. <laughs> no, my intention was to be a rock and roll drummer. Okay. A very successful rock and roll. drummer. Are you drummer. a good drummer still? Are yeah, you... I'm pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I like confidence, right there. Yeah, I'm good. How many I'm drums good. in your kit? <laughs> I've had them all. I mean, I went double bass during the Cream years. You know, I've okay. done all of it. But um, wonder if anybody listening knows who Cream is. But sure. So uh, that was my intention. Did you have a a gong like Neil? Never went gong like ELP or anything like (laughs) Carl Palmer. No, but I um, I just had an epiphany. It was about nineteen, and I thought, yeah, this being in different bands and rehearsing and packing my drums up three times a day, and this is really not what I had in mind. And I thought, you know, the way to do this is you need to own a record company. You need to have your own record company. Smart. He thinks big. Smart. He thinks big. Can I, well, bef- before you get into that, because and this is very interesting, I just want to quickly, for a couple of humorous moments here, what were some of the names of your early bands? Uh, the only one I remember was Kid Stuff. Okay. And that was actually the probably the m- most you know formulated of the bands. Did actually. it have like a Z in it? Kids stuff? You spell it differently? No. Mm-hmm. K-I-D-S. Yeah. I think one F was the trick. Okay. Was okay. the okay. kinky thing. And was yeah. it backwards? Was it backwards? <laughs> it was not. How old were you for That would have been stuff? a good idea. You know, it was 17, 18. Okay. Anyway, so um, I, uh, I, so Herb Albert was actually my inspiration at that point. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, I'd be like Herb, you know, make a record, sign a band, own the label, blah, 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 and be as cool as he is, hopefully, you know? Can I give you a quick timeout again? And I, I hate to do this, Mr. Can you stop Gerber. interrupting Gerber, please? I will. God. But Herb Albert's daughter is in Super Troopers. Oh, awesome. She plays the waitress in the diner scene, so go <laughs> fuck yourself. Good. Okay, continue, please. Okay. And now she runs the great club up in Eden. Uh, I mean, yeah, runs the, the place up in... Oh, uh, she does? Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, so... Uh, so shut up. <laughs> Uh, what's it called? Not staccato, something, something musical term. Vibrato? Anyway, vibrato. Vibrato. Okay. So uh, I have this epiphany, and I think, great. You know, so uh, my dad was Herb Albert's agent, so I know Herb and Jerry Moss, and I go, oh, I call up Jerry Moss's office, and I say, can I come see Mr. Moss? Yeah, sure, I come. I go, we talk. He was always great. You know, I was very friendly with his son growing up, and he says, uh, you know, so what do you need? I said, I'd really like to work in the mailroom here. I want to learn the record business. He goes, great, you can work in the mailroom. So I go work in the mailroom for a while, and I get to know the other guys in the mailroom, and I'm finding out, you know, I'm like, hey, so how long have you been here in the mailroom? And one guy's like, oh, three years. <laughs> and the other guy's like, five years. And I'm thinking, this is probably Shit. not the route yeah. I want to take. So I, 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 you know, graciously kind of disappear from the mailroom. 
and go to work for a guy who managed kid stuff, who was a very successful concert promoter, this crazy guy, but good to me. And um, I basically was in the mailroom again, but it was such a small company, I could do everything. So, you know, I got to write the press releases and I got to write the radio spots and Shadow Stevens did all of our, you know, radio spots for us. And he'd Mm -hmm. say, you really want me to say this? And I'd be like, (laughs) yeah, say it, you know, because I would just get a little loquacious with the whole thing. Sure. And and I started booking bands. Like I had the opportunity to say like, oh, you know, we should put. Uh, you know Stanley Clark at the Santa Monica Civic and they'd be mm-hmm. like Stanley Clark you know he's a jet I was like trust me yeah. and it would like sell out and they'd add a second show and all of a sudden like well who else do you like <laughs> and you know it, yeah. it was Ambrosia and the Bee Gees and uh, 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 Kansas and mm-hmm. a couple other shows like that were very successful and uh, then I ended up getting a job from there uh, while I also did some independent stuff for the County of Los Angeles concert promoting. But but my next real job was working for a guy named Nat Weiss, uh-huh. who had been Brian Epstein's attorney. Oh, okay. Brilliant guy. Uh, had a little label uh, in the old CBS days called Nemperer. Mm-hmm. And I went to work there, and he had Steve Forbert, and he had Stanley Clark, coincidentally, and um, a Roman. few other acts. And while we were there, we signed The Romantics, had a huge hit with The Romantics. Sure. How I met my best friend, uh, till t- t- still my best friend, John Sykes, who was like the local promotion guy in Chicago, who uh-huh. broke The Romantics, and, you know, that's oh, wow. the first time I met. Anyway, what so. What I like about you. Exactly. And I hear the secrets like that you. you keep. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I banned that song at my wedding, just, you know. Nice. And then, uh, so, and that <laughs> did, led. Did the lead singer have a little lisp? Because sometimes in the videos you can uh, see him, I hear the secrets I, that you keep. I don't. <laughs> I didn't know them that well. You know? <laughs> when you're talking and you're yeah. asleep. Yeah. It was actually this okay. A&R guy in New York who found them. Um, and uh, that was good. But anyway. Uh, and then I got the gig at Elliot Roberts Lookout Management, which was like my big break. Because right. Elliot had been David Geffen's partner and had, you know, over the years between the two of them, they had represented Bob Dylan, Linda Ronstadt, the Eagles, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, Jackson Brown, America, Southern Hill, like the California Fury. movement. Right it there, is the man. entire California yeah, yeah, movement, you know. And then when I got there, it was Devo, the Cars, Tom Petty, Yes, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell. What, what, uh, what's the time period from the mailroom to now and how old are you at this time um it's about hmm, two and a half three years okay. from the mailroom to now yeah and are you 79 so i'm 22 and are you involved in like the day-to-day activities of like the devos and oh the yeah, cars yeah no, and my the... first job is managing diva who i had tried to sign in one of my earlier jobs um and they knew me and elliot knew me and um so that was my that was my first did you travel with them at all everywhere or... around the world wow really yeah like pirates. Did did the Devo guys party, or were they more kind of intellectual nerdy types? They had the best time. Really? They were so but much what, fun. But doing what? Like playing Atari or like being like... No, 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 no. <laughs> did they put on the hats it was like, like all the it time was like, It was around? like Van Halen, but well-read. You know what I okay, mean? Yeah, okay. it was no mess really? around. Oh, really? Yeah. No, no, no. Like three ways and four great, ways? <laughs> great taste, these guys. I learned... I, I, Learned a lot from Devo. Really? Yeah. What? Like culturally? Culturally, yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Culturally, intellectually, you know. I mean, they were they were brilliant guys. They're still brilliant guys. You know, yeah. one of one of the guys is on. Like my kid watches Yo Gabba Gabba, and and the main Mark, guy. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Mark well, Mothersbaugh. Yeah, yeah. He is. He does composer. He's on the show. Oh, okay. All the time as a regular. Like he did. You know, obviously he can do whatever right. he wants. All right. But he does. What, are those guys from the states? Akron, or? Ohio. Akron, Ohio. I thought I thought they were kind of British. 
This is how much I know. Well, no, they're they're not. No, they're what? Akron, Ohio. They're like, yeah. like they're the, spuds. Forefathers of uh, like punk. No, I, I know who they are and what they do, but I just didn't know where they're from. Anyway, yes, a lot of fun being 22 years old, going around the world with Devo, and then Elliot Roberts asked me to take on the Cars as well. And, and did you go around with them? Yeah, you party they, with they, them? they weren't quite as much fun as Devo. Oh, really? Yeah. Why not? They're just not. Well, the- <laughs> <laughs> they're you- great. They made great records sure with Roy did. Thomas Baker. But yeah. Having seen both of them in concert, a Devo concert was exciting. Yeah, Those yeah, it's a, it's a spectacle. Energetic. The cars, frankly, they didn't move on stage. Right. Good good music, though. But Rick's a hell of a songwriter. But um, anyway, and then I, I kind of got interested in English pop bands and, okay. and went over to London a lot and started working with Heaven 17 and ABC uh-huh. and Scritti oh, Politti through a couple okay. of managers over there I was in business with and that was fun yeah were you responsible for the album Who Wants to Be a Millionaire ABC I was actually not with them when they did that I liked that record a lot yeah and then um, and then that what happened around you know the early 80s yeah was you had you know Saturday Night Fever and Flashdance and all these big music driven films yeah so people started coming to us to put our bands in movies right right and that's how i started meeting some of these movie people right and i actually was brought a project that was going to be at the time the first mtv movie and i put that together at warner brothers as a development deal and that's how i met mark canton who started what was that movie it was going to be the lost weekend with van halen a movie movie about that because I remember, I mean, they had the contest, the Lost yeah. Weekend with yeah. Van Halen. And it was, that was the idea. That, that, that was the idea I got pitched. I like, what that. if we did a movie about the kid who wins this thing? And it was actually quite a good idea. I, wanted, I wanted to, uh, like, the Tom Petty one, they had, like, win a dinner <clears throat> with Tom Petty. Yeah. My friends and I, we were, like, 12 years old. We used to riff on that, how he'd, he'd be like, hey, kid, uh, how, how big is your dick? <laughs> like, what do you got? Anyway, go on. <laughs> I think that's the last thing Tom Petty would want to know. but Probably. <clears throat> um, so... That's how I met Mark Canton, who, okay. who who took a liking to me and finally talked me into coming over to Warner Brothers. Uh, and so you went over there as like a, a, kind of a junior exec? Not really. I mean, because I, I had a pretty good business going in, the, in rock and roll at that point. So it was for me, it was a lateral move, at I least see. in my mind. I was but you're probably, in your 20s, right? Yeah, I was 28. Okay. And, right. I, and, I, and, I, and I went to Warner's as a vice president. Okay. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. All right, and so and so, uh, I have a whole list of movies here yeah. that came out during your tenure. Mm. I, I want to know. I want to talk about some of them and talk about like what are your babies. But so you're there for like ten years, right? Twelve years as an exec. Wow. Before you became the president, or during, ten including. and then became yeah twelve. And so you're there ten years climbing the ladder. Yeah. And then okay, two of the f- the first two not having the slightest clue about what I was doing. Sure. Let me let me name but some bu- of these movies. How much like how much. Do you credit the ability to bullshit uh, with success in any given business? Like, obviously, a lot. Yeah, a lot. You saw the Geffen documentary, right? Yeah, where he says to some, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, yes, yes, I did. Well, See that? I just bullshit. You need to end this interview. Go watch, go watch the it, American Masters on okay, David pause, Geffen, and then and then begin your life because okay. without that, you don't know what hit you're pause. doing. Yeah. Okay, good. But, you uh, watched it. Good. Okay. okay. Yeah. Wow, that was incredible. That was a great documentary. No, where he say he goes, he's talking to some casting director, and he's saying, you know, I, I need a job, and she says, well, what are you good at? She says, I'm not good at anything. She says, oh, you should be an agent. <laughs> so he goes to the mailroom, William Morris, and he's, you know, that I working his way up, and you know, at the mailroom, and he's delivering mail, and he's listening to all the guys on the phone, you know, and he says in the in the thing goes, you know, I'm listening to these guys on the phone, and they're just bullshitting all day, and I think to myself. I can bullshit all day. Right, right. <laughs> there you have it. There you Boom. go. Seven billion dollars later. Yeah. Jesus. That's right. a lot of bullshit. Some of the movies that came out while you were there. L.A. Confidential. Excellent Unforgiven. 
uh, Goodfellas, uh, Heat, Three Kings. Uh, the Matrix came out after you left, I think, mm. but there was in development there. Tell me, what were your babies? What were your babies? Everything but Matrix there. Really? Yeah. The Unforgi- I saw The Unforgiven three times in the theater. Oh, my God. That is one of we the saw, greatest w- movies ever. Where were we? We were shooting something when we saw The Unforgiven. No, we were driving cross-country... No, you know what? We were shooting the Tinfoil oh, Monkey Oh, the Tinfoil Monkey January. Right. We was 90, what, when did that come out? 93? 92? It won the award in 92. Okay. The Oscar. The Oscar, everybody. Yeah. yeah. I am. Um, oh, yeah. All those, you know, those and JFK, all the Oliver yeah. Stone stuff JFK. and Barry Levinson, Clint. Those are right. Marty. And, uh, I mean, you went on to work with Clint again, but we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that. But uh, 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 Unforgiven. Like, what was your involvement in that? Like, you know, that one to I you just. Or? No, 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 no. No. That was all Clint and yeah. Terry Summel. Yeah, I, I had nothing to do with that movie. But, oh, Matter of fact, a I was trying to talk. On it. Yeah, I got to be the executive and supervise it and take credit for it and stuff. Yeah. But the fact is, um, but wait, I so was trying to talk Clint in at that point when he made Unforgiven. Yeah, there hadn't really been a successful Western, Western in a for while. quite some yeah. time, yeah. and I literally had him a breath away from doing Under Siege. Oh, really? Yeah. As a Seagal part? No, yeah. It was going to be, there's no Seagal. It was going to be Clint Eastwood. Yeah, yeah, sure. Man, I got to go back and see that again with Clint Eastwood. With Clint Eastwood, 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 Eastwood. yeah. Yeah. Right there, right there. And then we went back to, we were in San Tropez, and I thought I had him there, and everything was great, and Samuel was there, and we got back to LA, and he said, ah, you guys, you guys around, I'm going to come over and see you. So he came over, or no, you know, he said, come over. I'm in the office. You want to come over? Yeah. So I go over with Bob and Terry, and we sit down, and he goes, "Uh, yeah, you know, I'm going to. But do the Western. Because mm-hmm. it had been in a drawer for a while. Because when they bought it, he wasn't really old enough to do it. Yeah. Right? Now he was 60 or whatever. And he sure. said, you know, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. And they and I, Bob and Terry just went, great, man. Whatever you want. It's so unbelievable, that movie. And I mean, and the fact is, no hit Westerns. Yeah. Clinton hadn't really had a big hit for three or four movies at the point. You know, we thought The Rookie was going to be a big hit. It wasn't. Pink Cadillac. You know, whatever. It just I saw The Rookie. I liked that movie. Yeah, The Rookie's right. good. I mean, that was the first thing I did with Clint that I that I found, you know, with Charlie Sheen. Yeah. It was Charlie Sheen's script. He had it, and he wanted to do it with Clint, you know, so yeah. I, I helped put it together. But but um, Bob and Terry didn't blink. Okay, go to the Western. But, uh, do you guys get involved in, like, the casting of that at all, or do those guys, like, uh, you know, with Clint, you know, he respects that it's, you know, your money, but, yeah. but, but, but I guess who, what I'm saying, like, no, as, as a studio exec, well, how do you deal with Clint Eastwood, a guy who's... You get out of the way. Yeah. 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 And he who's, makes he's a, one he's of the He's the best movies. producer, the best director, the best casting director, is the best, you know what I mean? It's not, there's nothing really to do. Right, right. right. <laughs> you can fi- find a material now Composes and then, you know, I mean, I brought him, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, if you can find stuff he likes, you're set, you know, like Perfect World or Rookie or did you bring Bridges him? of Madison County, we brought him, yeah. Okay. How what about a, Gran Torino? Did you bring that to him? Or I did, did yeah. Oh my God! That's after you left Warner Brothers, right? Yeah, I was a producer. Yeah, what, like uh, uh, L.A. Confidential. What's the like? How did that come? That's together? a crazy one. You know, yeah. David Wolper owned the book, and yeah. he was going to do it as a miniseries, and he gave it to me to read. He said, "You know, I'm getting calls from different directors. Maybe this is a feature." And he was great. You know, he just was one of the great guys of all time, Wolper, and a brilliant documentarian and everything. And um, you know, he, you know, I got along, so he would call me about stuff, and he said, "Yeah, you know, it was the craziest thing." He says, I got, "These directors are calling me. I got Franco Zeffirelli calling me, and I got <laughs> Curtis Hansen calling me." And I'm thinking to myself, "Who the fuck's Curtis? What the hell is he talking? Like, where's where's the you know Taylor Hackford part of this? You know, like that's like one extreme to the other. Yeah. You know, I mean, t- Curtis had just done the Rob Lowe movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, Zeffirelli. I don't know. Anyway, so." <laughs> I, I go, oh, let me read the book. So I read the book. I give it to Courtney Valenti. The two of us read the book. And we're like, this is an amazing book. Yeah. 
It's not amazing. And, you know, and it was kind of crazy to think it could be a movie. It wasn't the kind of thing people would develop as a movie, but we dug it. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we had a few meetings with Curtis. Mm-hmm. And um, how do you end up casting like, the no, well, no name guys? Well, that? that's the thing. So we have the meetings with Curtis, and then. Curtis actually said, hey, you know, we had a deal with Brian Helgeland already. I mean, I don't even remember who brought in Helgeland. He had worked on a couple of things at the studio. Mm-hmm. I knew him a little bit. He wrote the script. Well, yeah. Curtis said, hey, how would you feel about me doing this with Helgeland? And I said, I'd feel really good about it. Yeah. You know, and so I okayed it, and they went off and brought us this masterpiece yeah. script, you know, that won the Academy Award. Yeah. It was just an amazing script. And... um Warner's hiccuped about financing the movie. Terry Semmel called me down and said, you know, I just don't I just don't see it, you know. And I had used up a lot of political capital at that point with like natural born killers and stuff that I got made and yeah. and you know, they were like, Look, you know, yeah, you know, we we're you know, we need whatever. Ten poles and um and so I call on LA Confidential, I called um Michael Nathanson, who was working for Arnon, and we had Curtis, we had the great script, and um I said uh you need to make this movie now. Yeah. You know? And he said, great. He literally called me the next day. You're, it's genius. Uh, you know, well, let me just get Arn on to read it. And they, and, Arn, and they came in. They financed the movie 100% and, you know, let Curtis do his thing. And then we, I remember being at the beach with uh, Michael and Arn on. And uh, Curtis came in with a, literally like a video camera mm-hmm. and showed us the uh, you know the the reading he had done with this Australian guy named sure. Russell Crowe, no yeah. name guy, <laughs> one romper stomper, yeah, one movie, exactly. Yeah. You know, and uh, to this day, you know, Russell Crowe doesn't forget. <laughs> That's how it happened. Sure, you know, yeah. he's a very loyal guy, and um, boom, you know, and then we filled in the pieces with Spacey and Kim Basinger, and sure, and, and Guy Pearce, though, also. I mean, same type yeah, of thing. Yeah, also a no name yeah, Australian. Guy. Guy. Exactly. I mean, not no name, but he had done Who stuff was in Australia. Awesome so. in the movie. I mean, I mean, so that's so atypical in Hollywood that you go with two no-name lead actors. You got to give Arnon the credit for that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What, what about uh, Goodfellas? Was that there when you were there? Oh wait, hold on. Before we do Goodfellas, okay. you're talking about like you're telling a lot of beach stories, and uh, like one of San Tropez with Clint Eastwood, where you're mm. working on him for uh, <laughs> for uh, Under Siege. Do you? Are you just vacationing with these guys a lot, or do you take them there to woo them? Are you like, hey, let's go to San Tropez? Get on the plane with me. I'm going to talk to you about something. Nah, it's just you're there. Gerber's a triathlete. He's always at the beach. He's got to swim. He's got to swim. No, yeah. I think the San Tropez thing had to do about you know being in Edinburgh for the festival there or something, yeah. and you know just I think that we all went for Steve Ross addressing the Edinburgh festival one year, and, right? Know, if you're going to go to Edinburgh, you might as well go to San Tropez, and you might, you <laughs> of know, course, sure. you're there. You know, of course. Yeah. By the way, I'm not doing pot fest, uh, you know, unless I go to the beach. <laughs> sure. Which beach? <laughs> sure. I don't like that, Mr. Gerber. Uh, Goodfellas was there when you were there, right? Or yeah, Erwin Winkler had uh, Goodfellas at Warner Brothers, and he put me on it as the executive. Yeah, so I had the pleasure of like being the guy on the. Do you, are you saying yeah. that sarcastically, or are you being serious? I mean, completely. Are you kidding? All of a sudden, I'm like I'm some schmuck kid, and all of a sudden, I'm sure. sitting with Winkler and Scorsese and Robert De Niro, you know, in yeah. Venice at the festival, you know, like, yeah. in one of the greatest movies. One ever. of the greatest movies. I, I mean, mean, I'm sitting there when Joe Pesci, Pesci hits the guy with the fake bottle. I mean, right? You know, yes. You're on set that day. Yeah. God. Terry Summer and I, yeah, we were there. Oh man. And w- and uh, what do you do as an exec for those guys? I mean, for Scorsese and stuff. Get them what they want. Yeah. Get them what they want. Pasta. Were, how many takes did the 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 bottle did the ha ha clown? I don't know. I can only remember like three. I don't think it took that many. Okay. Wait, but when do you become the executive that starts getting in the way? When does that happen? Like, do you ever give you know? 
When, when were times where you had to, you know, lower the boom? I mean, you know, when we were starting Sphere. Okay. You know, okay. with Gary Levinson. Yeah. I saw their approach to how they were going to shoot the spaceship and everything. I had, I had to pull. I was not happy right. with the approach. And I thought somebody was going to die. And I... Were you involved in the in the pulling the plug on the Nick Cage Superman? Thing? I was actually. <laughs> well, how did that get pulled? How did that plug? Get I pulled? thought the script sucked. Did it? Yeah. And how I, many drafts have been done at that point? Zillions, but you know, I just didn't think it was that good. And were you the president at that point? Mm, yes. Okay. All right. But there was another president. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, he was more in favor of doing it. And um, finally, Bob Daly just read the script and went, "Guys." <laughs> Have you read this script? We can't make this movie, you know. And right. we had Tim Burton and everything, so you know you, you had Tim to give it the Nick benefit Cage, of the right? doubt. Yeah, yeah. but the script wasn't there. Yeah, and so did did those guys snap though? Burton and Nick Cage. Did you ever hear from those guys or people did? Yeah, yeah. You don't want to talk about it. Too. No, I actually was. <laughs> I was on vacation with Nick's Central manager in Acapulco. There oh. <laughs> we go again. Mm-hmm. This is before I the boom got lowered on me. Actually, okay. But, uh, okay. And I was the one charged with telling him it wasn't happening. Uh-huh. And so who, you called Nick Cage and but said, Nick, goes, it's but not this goes back to my original question. It's like, do you take him down to Acapulco to lower the boom? Or no, just... I had no idea it was coming. I got a phone call, and that's uncomfortable. But, but basically, my. Goose was cooked at that point too. I didn't know you it. Were I, I was, I was, you know, I was going to be, uh, you know, Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. Sure, yeah. yeah. Well, but you were because you were a co-head president or something like that. And yeah, that's we were a, both presidents. That seems like a bad idea. We never called it co anything, but well, yeah. it was a good idea with Bob and Terry, but we couldn't pull it off. Yeah. Uh, and so you said, "I'm out of here. Fuck it." Or did no, they, say they, you're they right said, "You know, you're so good at the creative stuff." <laughs> <laughs> well, what, okay. Before that happens, though, like what? When you were the, when you were the president, what were a couple of the movies that? Uh, uh, well, I mean, you know, Perfect Storm, Harry yeah. Potter. Three oh, were you Kings. there? The Harry Potter. Wow. Yeah, I bought Harry Potter. I bought you the did? Book. Yeah. God, that is, guy's a genius. Look yeah. at that. Who bought Harry Potter? Does well, anyone give you credit this, over Warner Brothers for the biggest franchise they've ever had, or what? Not so much. <laughs> okay. But that's why he can walk. He can walk over to Silverman's office and say, "I like this one." And they well, he was sitting there when I did it. Well, how know? did you? How did that yeah, happen? There. What was no, the Harry Lionel, Potter story? You know, Lionel Wigram brought David Heyman gave Lionel the book, and he brought it up in a meeting. And I and I said, you know, it's not like it wouldn't have gotten made as a movie had I not said yes. It would have been a movie. It just wouldn't have been Warner's necessarily. Yeah. I'm the reason sure. Warner's got it because I said yes first. You know, yeah, but they're happy about that shit. I would be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What the fuck. Yeah, <laughs> and Three Kings was when you were there too. Yeah, Lionel and I. Well, I had developed Three Kings. Love that movie. With, uh, in another form, and then Lionel brought David O. Russell in. And how was your David O. Russell Kings. relationship? Great, great. Did you ever get involved in the Clooney uh, David Russell? I was fight? gone by the fist fight. fight. I was gone by the, the fight. fist fight and okay. also the cow fight. There's a oh, there's yeah. a great story about it. Clooney wanted to blow up a cow. Right. He thought the cow should blow up. David O. Russell didn't want to blow up the cow because it was too expensive and Clooney said he would pay for the cow to blow up <laughs> not a real cow but you know right. that, that effect when the milk goes yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Twister Twister uh, we bought Bruce and I bought from Michael Crichton spec script we have had Bill Paxton on this podcast he's so great he's fantastic um, what Michael if- Crichton was one of the greatest human beings ever I mean that guy was a genius and one of the greatest humans yeah. I mean just <sighs> extraordinary guy I mean if you look at the- I actually went to I was in Kauai once and staying with our uh, Oceanic. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And uh, he showed uh, he showed me the room where he wrote Jurassic Park. Okay. In Hanalei Bay. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a beach you haven't been to? <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch. I've there's been Turks and Caicos. Oh, I've, I've been there. Uh, yeah. 
I haven't been to the to the um, what do you call it uh, down by Australia there. You know uh, what Bondi Beach? Africa the uh, the coast. What is it? Uh, oh, Madagascar. No, not the oh, New Zealand. South, South Africa. No, no, no. I think about Australia. Seychelles. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, what were some of the bigger kind of disaster? If you can, we talk about those. So we sure. talked about some of the great ones. Like, sure. what, were you there for the Postman? Oh yeah. <laughs> like that's a that was a bit of a fiasco. No, no a great. You know, the Postman. Another one where I tried to say the script. Like, really, guys, are you sure? Yeah. And some will just completely, sh- you know, tell me to shut the fuck up. You know? Right. It's Costner. Kevin, Kevin's a genius. You know. Yeah. yeah. Hey, gotta do it. Right, and it was like a. Like it was a, a dis- I mean, it was a disaster from day one. Right, Daniel Varbach, Von Bargans in that movie. Is he? Yeah. I, I even vouched for Tom. I mean, like I'm the one that called up Tony Dimitriotis and said Tom should do it. Yeah, bad idea. Yeah, whatever you win, something lose some. Right? Yeah. What about Glimmer Man? That's a movie that I mean, I love. We saw that in the theater. I was there. <laughs> Didn't have much to do with it, but Seagal. <laughs> and and Keenan Ivory Wayans was he the. It was, uh, yeah, so one, of the, one of the ones. Yeah, we love Keenan. Yeah, we, we wanted to do stuff with him all the time. Eyes Wide Shut. I read the script. Were you involved in that at all? No. I was, I was at the premiere of that. with Okay, so Amy Cohen, who co-produced Super Troopers and was George Clooney's assistant. Mm, yeah, I know Amy. Yeah. 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 And so, like, when we... She was instrumental kind of in getting us... Super Troopers Getting made. Super Troopers made. Because she had brought it to Clooney originally, and he agreed to be the executive producer on it. Mm-hmm. But so she brought me to the Eyes Wide Shut premiere. Uh, yeah. which was pretty f- crazy. Yeah. It was pretty intense. Yeah. It was a great. It was an interesting script to read. It was interesting. I mean, it probably was a fiasco to make. But you stuff, you know, I used to go a couple times I went with Samuel to England to read Kubrick projects cuz he wouldn't you'd sit in his room or something. There's house? actually no email at this point sure. in time. Sure. And and he wouldn't send a script. It would couldn't leave England. You had to go there. He'd send over a a a, a bound script so you couldn't xerox it. And then you, you'd have right. to read it in the room. In the room. And then he didn't even know anybody else read it. Like, I'd be there reading it and talking about it with Terry. Right. And, and then Terry would go to the house and talk it through with Kubrick. Okay. So did you meet Kubrick? Never. Really? Okay. Never. Okay. Did you, and my, my eldest daughter is kind of obsessed with him, which is cool. She's been to the LACMA thing twice oh, really? and seen all the movies, yeah. It'd be cool if you met him then. I did get her a signed Clockwork Orange from Malcolm Mattel. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you have like funny like pitch stories? Like what's what's the f- what's the f- most fucked up pitch you ever heard as a studio exec? Oh god, the most fucked up pitch. God, there's so many. They're most most of them are fucked up. You know. I know. Well, pitches. You know, like are you? Do you hate hearing pitches or do you? No, I like hearing pitches, but most of them are bad. Are you done? And after five minutes, are you done? Yeah. What's the ideal pitch for you? Yeah, like if it's a really good pitch, it's like fifteen really good minutes, and you know. And then Big beats and you're through it. You tell me the characters. It. Tell me the idea. Tell me the characters. Yeah. Tell me a set piece or two. Yeah. I mean, I like. I usually like to know what the end is. Okay. Yeah. How does it end? And but I've been in meetings with our executives where literally halfway through, they're like, oh, we get it, or can you just go to the end. Or I mean, I just I could never really do that to people. I mean, yeah. I, maybe it's because I We've was had an that artist or something. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, I just, Silverman falls asleep in pitches. He's, Silverman is a, is kind of dead eye, dead face, sleepy, sleepy face, yeah. melted face. He's I listening. Know, Hel- you know, he's listening. Like, Helgen and I went in and pitched what I still think is could be one of the greatest movies ever made to uh, McCormick and <laughs> Robinoff, and they mm-hmm. both eyes were rolling up in the head. I couldn't believe it. I thought we were pitching literally, you know, the next <laughs> Unforgiven, but it didn't go that way. It's tough. Yeah, we've asked. I mean, we asked Silverman about it. Uh, yeah. 
we were like, Silverman, what is your perfect pitch? He said five minutes. Yeah. And they said, then I start finding things on the wall to look at. He's a, he's got he's got he's got great instincts though. No, it, I mean, he really is great. Yeah. You know, like we've had some great pitches in the sense like you create the whole song and dance and you go into him and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to ask you questions. I don't I'm not, I don't want to hear. It. I yeah. just want to ask you questions. And then he asks all good questions. And right. you're like, "Oh, great. Okay, fine." Yeah, no, he's smart. He's yeah, really no, no, smart. no. In fact, it, and I hope nobody thinks we're actually be smirching. Uh, Greg so we I love, love Greg. So, I love Greg. Like, so. Well, it's worked out for him. Yeah, yeah. And I love Jeff. But I love him personally. I love him personally. Yeah, he's always been cool. Yeah, he's been great with you guys. And also, yeah. also professionally. But we just think it's comical because, like, the way it has worked for us is it seems that Paul Soder has always been pitching when we're going in to pitch Silverman, <laughs> and Soder's like a reactionary guy. So like when he he feeds off the energy, and so like Silverman would start to get sleepy, and then Soder would start to get sleepy while he was pitching. <laughs> And then so over. they take a little nap. Yeah, a little cat. By the way, I don't know if you remember, but when we took Beer Fest to the um, to Austin mm-hmm. to the Alamo Draft House. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's when their people were wasted. There. So good, man. That it played. You, we thought we were going to make a hundred million dollars after oh, yeah. that screening, and yeah. Knoxville came with us. Yeah, he loved the movie so much. Yeah, and brought his uh, th- about to be wife. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. We didn't know it because we were still making jokes. Right. And he was like. No, no, I like this one. Well, there, there was a funny thing though because yeah, she, a funny story she was an yes. assistant over at Three Arts, and so Miner went, "Oh, thought you were yeah, home sick, sick today." today. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but, so uh, I don't know if you remember, we went to that club, we went to that little, uh, you know, like a, a roadhouse afterwards. Yeah, yeah. With Mike Judge and they, Mike Judge was in the band jamming, and yeah. um, we looked down, and Greg Silverman was on fire. I don't remember His that. His shoes were. There were flames coming up from his shoes, and Knoxville lit, lit him up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he does. He was a good sport about that. Yeah. No, and then Greg likes to tell the story because, you know, we get back, and, and Greg starts telling me what he's going to do to, you know, to to get even with Knoxville. Yeah. About Because uh, ha, ha, he, you know, thought, all right, well, it's on, right? And I said, Greg, let's get this straight. You're going to get into a, a like a, a – uh, um, you know, a, a prank fight, a prank with- fight, a <laughs> punk fight with the guy that invented Jackass. You sure you want to do that? Yeah. No, I remember because yeah. he, he, he's like, you know what? You're right. Yeah. Because <laughs> he'll idea. just he'll just hit you in the nuts. You don't even know. You know, like I remember the day that Jay uh, was ready for it. He put a, we were in Jay's office uh, and he put a cup in mm. in his pants because he knew Knoxville was coming over to the office. And Knoxville came over. Oh, no. It was the other way around. It was yeah. Knoxville put the cup into his pants, didn't it? And he was sitting with his legs wide open, daring yeah. Jay. Daring Jay to hit him in the nuts. Well, and then never did it. Well, because he had, done, he had hit Jay in the nuts at like either a, a big premiere. Yeah, me. Hit me in the nuts. Oh, he did? Yeah. And so he was just waiting for somebody to I, hit him in the nuts. I called the truce day one with Knoxville. I said, you'd never have to worry about me doing anything But that doesn't matter. He'll still kick No, not, To really? this day, none of those guys. Bam, none of them. I took myself out of it right up front. Mm. Nothing to do with it. God, mm-hmm. I got hit in the nuts so many times by those guys. It's fucking bullshit. Hmm. I, what I loved is that how Knoxville would spike Jay's drinks. He did it to oh. all of us. To all of us. Yeah. yeah, he would do it to everybody. But he'd do it while we were shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you oh, just yeah. throw some, you know, Oxycontin or something in, and yeah, yeah. And you're like, how long is this gonna last? <laughs> yeah, I remember you'd go out with him, and like, you know, you'd look away and, and come back, and you're like, oh, that's interesting. My beer's foaming up. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Drink it, and then you're feeling fun. You're like, jaws starting to it's clench. Good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, but those were the funny times about hanging out with Knoxville and, and Baton Rouge. The best. You'd, you'd go to those giant college bars. And you'd look over, and it was he was like thirty chicks deep, like yeah, just a circle around like him, like lemmings, yeah. And, and we would be over there, and 
you know, people were new super troopers at that point, so we'd be over with some like, of us were married. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I was. Uh, we'd be over there with twenty like college dudes with their baseball caps on backwards. Knoxville would be over with thirty chicks. Mm. I remember there, there was one time I, w- I was next to Knoxville at one of those bars, and uh, chicks were just clamoring to get at him. And so, as the buffer, yeah, I was getting you know some proposals too. Mm. And these two incredibly beautiful twin girls <laughs> said, "We have a great idea. How about you and Johnny?" And the two of us go back to our house and take a hot tub together. And I was like, hold on a second. <laughs> I was like, I can make this happen. And I, 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 I you know, bumped Nashville. I was like, dude, these two girls want to take us uh, back to the, the hot tub with them. What do you think? And he looked at them and he looked at me and then he just looked away. I was like, oh, you fucking dick. Yeah, he doesn't need you. Yeah. And, so, and literally like two days later, I was walking out of the same bar yeah. by myself. Right. And a convertible comes screaming around the corner and it's knoxville driving one of the twins in the front seat the other in the back seat and like he's taking a, a turn hard and they're all just laughing they don't even see me they're like Woo! and then they just drive off and i was like you fu- fucking knoxville. he didn't need you he didn't need me he's a happily married man now he is he is yeah. um two new kids two yeah and he's still got you know madison madison chicken butt mm-hmm. on the scene mm-hmm. although going to college soon mm. Um, Gran Torino Tell us the Gran Torino Where did that come from You know A terrific movie yeah, Love that Gran Torino movie. Is kind of like Just one of those Divine intervention moments You know A friend of mine Jeanette Kahn Had optioned the script And Couldn't really get anywhere Who with had it. written this somebody, was it? Nick Shank had written it As okay. a spec script And she optioned yeah. it And uh, he was You know He told me he was like Up in Vancouver Or someplace Working on a cage fighting show Or some cockamamie Thing like that You okay. know Completely unknown writer he writes this thing and gives it to a writer friend of his, and the writer friend of his knows Jeanette, who had a production company in New York, and you know she loved it and optioned it and couldn't get arrested with it for some reason, and just finally this a woman who you'd, had worked for me was in it, it was in business with her back in New York at that point and said, you know, you should really, if you think it could be a good Clint Eastwood movie, you should give it to Billy, you know, which yeah. she did, and. Um, and I read it and just thought, Jesus, this is like a how could, this is written for Clint Eastwood because it's it's written for a guy that age. I mean, it's yeah, right, but it right. it was age appropriate. Yeah, yeah. But the writer said Nick said he actually never thought about Clint when he was writing it for whatever reason. He was thinking about people he knew, you know, sure. back in mm-hmm. in in Minnesota and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, which is where it originally takes place. You know, we moved oh, it to, we moved it to Detroit anyway. Um, and uh, so I called up, you know, Clint's. If he hears this, he'll be upset. But uh, his long-term agent, long-time agent, this guy Lenny Hershan, who I knew my dad, very famous, worked with James Dean and Elvis, famous William Morris agent, and he basically just shut me down. Yeah. You know, and it was like, you know, oh, Clint's got his next two movies, doesn't really want to act, and I'm like, but Lenny, it's me. Like, how, how many <laughs> movies Gerber, have I it. brought you guys that he ended up doing? Like, why just read the script? Well, you know, yeah. ah, Bill, I don't want to waste your time. Da 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 da. So I like literally. I'm was like, he not responding to the story idea, or like he what wouldn't was... read the script? Yeah. Okay, didn't even know. Wouldn't okay. read the script. And this uh-huh. is a guy who's a reader. Like yeah. he read. I mean, my experience was the guy who read everything overnight. He's and... holding out for the beach. He wanted whatever. To whatever. Like, whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah, I ain't having it. But anyway, so you know, it's, he just literally shuts me down, and I'm devastated at this point i think okay fuck it so i call up uh, sandy bressler for jack nicholson he reads this loves this says look jack would do this and um but you know he just was almost dying in his last movie we should wait a movie blah 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 and i go ah, maybe i'll wait so then i call up fred specter i go you know what about gene hackman he yeah. was the other guy i thought could do he's it retired you know? yeah. yeah and he's retired but maybe and, I, and he said i love the script you know that yeah. but but i'm like literally waking up in the middle of the night going 
this has to be Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah. This has to be Clint Eastwood, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? And so I called Joe Himes, one of my dear friends who had been Clint's marketing guy forever. He was also Kubrick's guy and Oliver Stone's guy, but he'd run marketing at Warner's and then just wanted to do a few people and basically just did Kubrick and Clint for years. Yeah. And, you know, one of these amazing guys who you should have come here and talk. Sure, who's, sure. You know, when he was a unit publicist, you know, his first job was on the waterfront and his oh second job was from here to eternity. You know, he's just Jeez, that kind amazing. of guy. He's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. Yoda, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so he says, uh, he says, you should just call Rob, you know, Lorenz and just tell him you've got this script and, you know, or call Clint. Call it. What are you waiting for? You know, I'm like, Jesus Christ. You're, what am I? <laughs> I'm Billy fuck Gerber. Yeah, what yeah. Are you Call doing? Clint, <laughs> goddammit, Gerber. I mean, but, you know, I I'm was... I'm mad at you right now. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and and the thing is, you know, you try to... You know, you don't go around. I, I'm never... I, I, I mean, you know, I've gotten more, in my old age, more desperate and do go more directly <laughs> these days <laughs> because you can't be polite anymore in this sure. business, you know. And, and, you know, in the old days, agents actually really got it done, you know. Yeah. Right. But anyway, so... Um, I called up Rob, and Rob said, yeah, great, blah, 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 blah. Let's see, you know, read it. He says, you know, we're going to be shooting on stage. So I go down, and I sit with Clint and Rob and bullshit. and Because they're shooting the on something. They were doing Changeling on, this, on the, you know, oh, for Brian okay. Grazer okay. On, on the lot. So I walk over. I hadn't seen Clint for a little while. It was like, I saw him yesterday. You know, it's like right back, in, right back, exactly, right back into the stories, and we have the best time. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, uh, you know, uh, Clint, you know, we sent you the script, and da-da-da, and Rob's like, yeah, we're going to read it, da-da. And, um... Uh, when he wrapped in December, he said, all right, well, I'll read it when I go back up to Carmel. Yeah. And literally the first call I got after Christmas vacation, like, you know, I'm on my mountain bike yeah. the first day, that Monday, January, whatever, right. 08. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And uh, I see, I check my phone. I get it to the top of the hill and I see Rob Lorenz called and said, uh, you're going to hear from Lenny. And uh, literally, that was the first call. Was Clint's going to do the movie? That's your chance to give Lenny some shit, though. I didn't. He actually gave me shit, like you know, hey, you, you've made up for in the line of fire. I'm like, what do I do on in the line of fire? I like it. Wait, that's a great movie. <laughs> what do I do? You know, what's wrong with that movie? Well, no, it came to Warner's, and and Warner's didn't buy it. Uh, Alan Horn bought it, and it wasn't submitted to me, but somehow I got blamed for it. So it was like, you've made up for that. I'm like, okay, just do the goddamn movie, you know? Right. And so he's in. He directed, right? That's the thing about Clint. He reads it. He says, I'm in. Yeah. Then yeah. the movie happens. It's like there's not, there's God, none of this other great. nonsense yeah. that everybody puts you through. So how long from that point before you're shooting? It's got to be a record because from the time he reads the movie till the time it's in theaters is less than a year. Wow. And so do you, when he says, I'm in, is it an instant green light in your pre-production or do you take a moment? It was an instant green light, but he was maybe going to do Invictus first. Okay. And then wow. some stuff happened with Damon and his having a kid and stuff like that. So okay. it f- flip-flopped and, and Clint turned to Rob and just said, you know, we can just mow this down. And he mowed it down. I fucking right. love that. <laughs> Me too. God damn it. I love that style. Oh, Matt's love. not ready. Hey, we'll just, uh, let's just go shoot this movie. Yeah. I like that. Let's, let's just mow this uh, down. Yeah, That's Clint Eastwood is saying that. It spoils you though because- you know, you work with other filmmakers, yeah. and they're like, yeah, but, I mean, how? and you're like, dude, Unforgiven, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Started snowing. Shut three days in one day. Yeah. Get on with it. Yeah. No, I, lo- I, mean, I love the stories about hearing him direct, like, one take, two takes, whatever how it is. How about a rehearsal? <laughs> no rehearsal. How about a rehearsal? Shoot the rehearsal? The midnight, in the, <laughs> midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Yeah. Literally, he has, he has Cusack and, and Spacey do a rehearsal, and he looks at Jack, and Jack's running, and, and they come back, and he goes, that's good, let's go. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> let's go. Did he do that shit? I was standing right there. 
did he do that in Grand Torino too? Not let not not a rehearsal. Right. Just shooting the rehearsal without the actors. Not a rehearsal. And plus, you know, you remember, he's basically the only actor in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Every every you know, he hired yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. people that were just normal people. Did he shoot in L.A. or did he shoot? In no, it was all Detroit. in Detroit. Okay, hundred percent. It's Detroit. amazing though. I mean, you know, you think about all the different characters that guy has played. Yeah. The fact that he plays such a bigoted character and you still love the dude. Sure. Well, I mean, he's still a he hero. Could, you know, you it's know, like Rob. You know, Rob said to him, uh, "You know, Clint, it's a politically little politically incorrect." And Clint's like, "Give it to me." <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, though, he can pull that shit with those actors too, because the actors can't say shit to him. They can't say anything to him. Well, I sat the first time we showed it to the studio. I was sitting next to Barry Meyer, the outgoing chairman of the studio, one of the great guys. And he just kept turning to me. Only Clint could say that. Only Clint could do this. Only Clint could. Do that. I mean, Clint. I mean, it's the only yeah, guy that could do this. The beauty of it. Yeah. By the way, what the fuck is going on in the studio? There's like a show tunes. I, I think we've been here so long. The evening uh, entertainment. Uh, is right. Come in. Uh, I hope you. I hope you pick up on what Mr. Gerber is. Oh, saying. he's saying okay. It's okay. time. Who's right. still listening? I mean, you know. Oh no, no this you shit want goes on for like, like really podcast going for hours. Well, we have thought that the ideal time is one hour. Right. So you'll edit this? No, no. But what happens is, the thing is, like, if anybody wants to stop listening, they can just stop listening. Right. And if they want to keep going, because we have some interesting guests on here. Mm Mm-hmm. None more interesting than you, No, I was going to say. Good. Better. Yeah. Yeah. But people will keep listening. I mean, they like all these stories. Mm. Let's talk about at least like what you got. What else you got going? Because you, there's you have the Sean sure. Penn movie, right? The Sean a, Penn movie. I have a movie called uh, Crazy for the Storm. True story about a guy named Norm Olstad who right. was the survivor of a plane crash in San Bernardino, and um, he wrote a book about the the fact that he believes the reason he was the survivor of this thing is because of the way his father raised him. Oh, really? And so you flash back and forth between the crash and. He and his father growing okay. up surfing and skiing and doing all that stuff. It's an amazing piece, and Sean's going to direct it, and he's going to be in it with Josh Brolin. Okay, yeah. No, because I read about it. Like There was something like you were looking for the kid. We're trying, trouble the kid finding now. the kid. No, no, Charles. We're just okay. looking now. Because uh, what happened was uh, my well, you're brother- you're trying to tell like, a journalist, like start know, stirring some, some shit. shit up already. I know some right? shit, buddy. Oh, he asked shit. these incendiary questions. Yeah. Well, my, uh, the reason I know, my, my brother, I think, yeah. maybe he contacted you, but he, uh, well, he, he, he's keyed a couple of Sean's movies. He key gripped a couple of Sean's movies. Are you so, is this turning into a job? Or are you just he put, key put, no? He can't do Dukes it. of Hazard. No, he didn't. Uh, there's another guy that was that the other brother? No, no. But no, he worked no. on it. He, he was on he it. was the dolly grip. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, and people and people were trying to fire him because he's a big he, hugger. Yeah, he likes to hug. Love him. Yeah. But anyway, he was gonna. He had talked to Sean, and then and then Pat? he said he talked to you, Pat. Pat. Yeah, yeah Pat. And so then uh, uh, he You're was going to try to do your movie, but now he's keying uh, Cameron Crowe's movie in Hawaii for four months. Well, we don't start till February. Oh. Perfect. He can come back from that and do your movie. Yeah. I'm just trying to hook him up. So we're doing that. We're doing a remake of The Incredible Mr. Limpet with oh, really? Zach Galifianakis and one of the greats, Rick Linkletter. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I love Rick Linkletter. Is it, is it uh, going to be like animated mm-hmm. and live action it together is. again, like the original? Half and half, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Warner it, Brothers. Okay. And uh, another great executive, Jesse Ehrman. And oh, yeah. Then, yeah, yeah. Jesse. I love Jesse. Yeah. Is Jesse like... When we were there, he just had gotten hired. I and remember. he was with Dylan... Uh, no, where was he? Where did he come from for that? Uh, oh, Dylan Sellers. Yeah, Dylan Sellers, right? Yeah. He was his uh, exec right. or whatever. And then, no, he's done very well. He did and now he's over climbed the ladder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? He's, a, he's a big wig over there now. Big right? wig. And, um, and we're going to do. A young Bill Gerber. We're doing. I'm going to bring Run for the Border back to those guys. <laughs> we're doing. Um, uh, we're going to make a movie out of Michael Lewis's first book, Liar's Poker. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, okay I remember that. I remember yeah, it's that. very cool. Yeah. Um, we're uh, it, there's a bunch of you got a lot of stuff you got a lot of stuff you, you were know, doing t- we ran into in a TV pitch got room some TV one day. stuff now yeah you, you yeah, that's you, right you're doing TV now? we didn't sell it yeah we sold we 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 we've 
developed a bunch of pilot scripts. We haven't made anything yet. Okay. But um, I thought you sold. Didn't you sell that uh, show? No, I sold stuff, but they haven't actually gotten on the air. Yet. Oh no, well, we yeah. we. Well, I can't remember we ran into you, but we were pitching something. I think we, it was like we were ABC at, or something. NBC sold, or ABC. Yeah. We sold it's in the Valley. And wrote it. The we, last two years we've sold and haven't gotten it. We just here. come out of our meeting with Todd, with uh, Tal Rabinowitz. Oh, right, right. right. Yeah, we have a cool, really cool show at AMC about uh, Formula One racing in the 60s. Oh, really? American drivers in Europe, yeah. It's great. Wait, isn't that movie coming out with Ron, the, the Ron, yeah, that's, Ron that's, Howard? Yeah, that looks good. That looks good. Anyway, it does look good. We're doing a show. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so we, shut the fuck up. And we're doing uh, Tony Rome as a series over at Fox. I love that David restaurant. Madden. Tony Rome. Yeah, he's he's not a good quarterback though. Frank Go on. Sinatra. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we got that stuff and a couple of other shit network things. What can we work together sometime? Again? I hope so. Let's do it. I hope. Well, so. Well, we're going to pitch you a movie idea after this, right? We don't need to bring Chandler. We don't even know what it is. There better be food involved if you're going to pitch me a movie after or this. Or a beach. <laughs> yeah, or some sand, <laughs> sand or food, or preferably both. Yeah. Uh, last question, I guess. Then what, or, or maybe second to last, if you whatever. If you've I, got I, one. I, you know. Hardest job: uh, music management, studio head, or producer? Producer. Yeah. Why? Because yeah. you have to go generate all day. And yeah, you're yeah. every single hustling? thing. You're yeah, you're throwing a lot of shit at the wall. Pushing. Yeah. Not really. You just you little you, things that used to take one phone call take twenty phone calls because of the industry. Yeah, there's fewer movies getting made. The yeah. stakes are higher. You know, there's fewer people that people want to hire. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just everything's you, squeezed. Have uh, uh, you find yourself like, do you try to find financing outside the studio system now, or you just stay in the two? You know, studio I don't system? because I, I figure like there's there's X amount of effort you put out to get something done, right? So you can yeah. spend it looking for money, or you can spend it handling your studio. And yeah. I'd rather handle the people I know and love and try to get it done because. Yeah. You know, the truth is, if it should get done, there's a good chance it's going to get done there. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of movies, if, oh, we got the money, we got the money, you know, it's like, doesn't doesn't mean it's the right movie to make. Yeah. yeah. So at least there's a filter there that says, you know, you're wrong about this one. And so you're getting you're that wrong. world where they're just making less movies, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, look, we're right now, we've, you know, the other one is Star is Born that actually Clint is going to direct next year. So, yeah. I mean, who's the star? He, he, he hasn't told us yet. Who's oh, the star okay. yet. I just watched it. Uh, a few Which one? one of them? The seventy. The, the, the Streisand one. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Yeah, Chris Christopherson's so good. I he's had no idea he was so charismatic. Oh my I, god! What? When, no, I mean I like him now, and he's all grizzled. But yeah. like, I didn't Back understand then? the sex appeal. Right. But We're actually like, doing a show with Willie at Fox, also that's based on that period. The the Outlaws, you know, the Highwaymen. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Willie and Waylon and oh, Cash man. and Chris. Which is super cool. We're just right. looking for a writer on that. Okay. Hey, maybe we'll get in on yeah. it. Yeah. And we'll jump on that. Yeah, I, I could play you with Waylon Jennings. <laughs> you do I remind you of Waylon Jennings? Well, remember, we, Shooter was going to do... I think Shooter did some stuff on Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. 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 Did he? I think so. Some music stuff. Yeah. yeah, I think he did music. The Wolf. It was the good old days. Yeah. All right. All right, Mr. Gerber. It's been a pleasure. Gentlemen. It's been it's wonderful fun. seeing you Great again. to see you guys. You, you know what we haven't done? Chewed? We haven't chewed. Wait, I'm I'm only chew Gerber chews. I will. Oh, he's got like a chip monkey chew. Yeah, yeah. it's a front chew. Yeah, it he is. chews with his lips. It's frontal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you gotta ease into you can it. Go guttural. Yeah. yeah, back in the back of the throat. All right. Um, but thank you, Mr. Gerber. Appreciate it. He's do- he's already out of here. Yeah, he's gone. He's heading- he's got to go make movies. Let's go. The man's busy. He's got to cut some deals. He's busy. All right. We'll see everybody next time. Chew it. I mean, talk to everybody next time. Now leaving Nerdist.com.